Welcome, listener, to the return slot of You've Got the Body, I've Got the Brains. A podcast. Kind of story of our lives. Yes. <laughs> I just quickly agreed to that. I didn't even think about yeah, it. Very. No, Which that kind of proves the point. <laughs> A podcast recorded in the basement of our video store after hours when the doors are locked. The VHSs are rewound and the moon is glowing pale blue on a brisk and breezy night. We like to hang out in the basement, light a scented candle, crack open a drink, and discuss our beloved genre horror. Every episode, we invite you to join us for a frosty libation as we discuss a film selected from one of our painstakingly curated subsections of the video store. That's right. For the uninitiated or anyone unlucky enough to have grown up without an independent video store, Mickey, can you elaborate on this, please? Well, back in the day before there was streaming and even before Blockbuster, there were these independent video stores. And to appease the appetite of movie nerds like myself and Michelangelo, they would fill their shelves with anything they they get their hands on, especially video nasties. These mom and pop shops were responsible for taking the horror genre from limited theater runs and late night drive-ins to every rural town and suburb in America. But what really made these video stores special were the people working in the store curating personalized sections based on their interests and the interests of their patrons. Recommendations based on conversations, not algorithms. So here at the return slot, we keep that spirit alive and strong. We hope you enjoy perusing our sections and joining in our conversations. This week, we find ourselves back in the sassy sequel section, you thought it was over. You thought we had concluded this journey, but no. Just like a sassy sequel, it's back. And it wants more. So, before we get started, I am going to warn the listener. This is a hangout, drink, and talk with friends about movies podcast. This is not a film review or a critical analysis podcast. Um... Well, it's a little bit of a critical analysis of ourselves. What what do these horror films tell us about ourselves, our lives, our relationships? How do we see ourselves reflected in these stories? And how can we better understand ourselves and each other through these films? So if that's not your bag, then I don't think you're going to enjoy listening to this. Um, now, tonight, we have the extreme pleasure of being joined in the basement by... Vaporwave expert and aficionado, Chris. Hello, Please Chris. Uh, uh, check out my 30-hour-long uh, Vaporwave track uh, that you can find on all streaming services. Uh, including our social media, uh, our Instagram. Mickey, what's our Instagram? At the return slot underscore of horror pod on Instagram. I think that was I can't you know that I called you out for that it, was but right. I never remember. That was right. That was right. I, okay. I had looked before we started. I was like, I'm not I'm not going down. I'm not going down this time. You got it. Please. Yeah. But but I'm um, seriously if you like the show, share us with your friends, like us, subscribe, do all the things, because you know, it only helps the show get better. Yeah. Um, so before we get to tonight's sassy sequel, uh, what are we drinking in the basement tonight? Mickey? Well, in honor of Lisa, I'm having a drink called Loverboy because she was oh. thirsty for a Loverboy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's what I'm having. Loverboy. It's like um it's like real ingredients, 90 calorie, pineapple hibiscus, sparkling hard tea. 
It is looks that, uh... like a four loco. It does not look like a four loco at all. It's a seventies font they got. Okay, is that like enough, a is that a Pennsylvania thing, uh, Mickey? Cal- or is I that... believe it's a I believe it's a New York City thing actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. I love it. Never boy. seen it before. Actually, it yeah. <laughs> I lied. I, guess you I, lied. See... I lied. It's manufactured in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, so it's like right down the road. There you oh, go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. You got to stay. So the idea is you got to stay. You got to stay uh, trim. For the for uh, uh, yeah, got to keep it fit. Got to keep it fit. Got to keep that nice little cute booty. Mm-hmm. You do have it. And listener, he's got a cute booty. Oh, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so you can bounce a VHS right off that thing. I'm blushing. Bounce a VHS. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him crush. I've seen him crush beta tapes right in the crack of his right ass. Oh right yeah, yeah, yeah. Beta was a superior uh, product. Can't even slide a Blu-ray in there so tight. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is that is a quote for the. That's going on the logo from now on. Um, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, I see you. You're drinking out of a fancy glass. There, did you prepare a spooky cocktail for this evening? Oh, you know it, my friend. Uh, have a little drink here. I'm calling it uh, Interior Leather Bar with One Dead Gym Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that would get a reaction. Out of me. <laughs> <laughs> he is, of course, referencing William Freakin's Cruising starring Al Pacino. <laughs> Definitely a film we'll be talking about at some point. At some point. But uh, this beverage is uh, one ounce of amaretto, a half ounce of honey whiskey, a half ounce of a cherry liqueur or a cherry rum. We got a local uh, manufacturer in Wisconsin that makes a nice little cherry rum that I use. Three shakes of bitters, uh, about a teaspoon of lime juice. Uh, stir with ice to combine in, in a shaker, and then uh, strain that ice out. Add an egg white, and then do a whip shake to incorporate. Strain and enjoy. Damn, that looks good. Looks amazing. It's tasty. You make it look good too. Wink. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I uh, I am having uh, so I got a I got a care package today. What from Chris and his wife? Hey. Oh, that's so nice! That's uh, so nice. I know. I'm not sharing any of it with you, Mickey. I got banana bread and Ted Lasso shortbread and brownies and apple dried apple chips from his backyard, and he sent me. Uh, he got me a um. New Glarus uh spotted cow, which I love. Yeah, I love New Glarus. It's just it's it's just like spot on lager. Is it lager it's or a pilsner? It's a nail. But it tastes like a lager or a pilsner. Anyways. <laughs> or a nail. <laughs> or a nail. I don't know. I just associate ales with being more like heavy or something. This is this is uh this is delicious. And then I'll also be enjoying enjoying um Thule, is that right? Chris Chris was in mm-hmm. Iceland and he got me a can of of this. Please explain what this is. I'll be enjoying it in just a moment once I when, once I finish my new Glarus. Uh so in Iceland they're all about the holiday season. So I, all the breweries make a nice holiday ale. So this was a uh, one of many holiday ales that I enjoyed in uh in Iceland that uh I was able to buy a sixer at the airport on the way out. I uh, sent one Mickey Michelangelo's way. Um, how would you describe its flavor? 
Mm, an ale with holiday cheer. <laughs> okay. I'm pouring it right now. Oh, boy. Hold on. Taste test. Hold on. It kind of smells like um, somebody farted in a shoe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, which is a good thing out of your you're drinking it's... out of your fart shoe. So that's probably yeah. a good giveaway. Similar oh, to the basement. Delicious. Mm-hmm. That's delicious, Chris. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I guess like, you know, it's definitely it hits on that like vanilla, brown sugar, kind of those baking yeah. spices flavors. Yeah. Really and what tasty. I like about it, it's the only um, like winter holiday ale that I've ever had that is like five point seven. Is that what it says? Five point two, which is really low, which I really appreciate. Well, I really, they're usually like that. fucking ten. <laughs> um, yeah, God, it looks. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you burp? Why don't you burp into the mic again? Our <laughs> listeners will really. <laughs> People like that. That's why they listen. <laughs> mm. oh. I drink beers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you like? Um. So this evening, our sassy sequel. The original was rejected by every major Hollywood studio, would but would go on to be the foundation of New Line Cinema creating a franchise that would endure multiple generations and a character that is celebrated to this day. The sequel is considered by some to be the top gun of franchise horror films. We are, of course, talking about 1985's A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, starring the Greta Garbo of horror, Mark Patton, written, directed, and produced by some of the most clueless, straight white men in cinematic history. More on that later. Now, I will say, um, uh, I think we all did this, but we'll probably also be diving into 2019's Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, the documentary about Mark Patton and um, his experience making this film and what it, the effects it's had on his life. Were you uh, all able to watch that? Yes. Uh, I've seen it probably about a year ago. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. And um, I uh, and uh, I watched uh, 2010's Never Sleep Again: The Elm Street Legacy. I was gonna say I did not get a chance to watch that, but I did read a couple things that referenced that. Yeah, it sounds like that's that's got probably a little more of a holistic view on that background than necessarily Scream Queen does, from what I read. Don't know how you feel. Well, it's 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 a it's a background of the whole the whole franchise. <clears throat> Um, yep. and, uh, you get some context for two, but, uh, screen queen really elaborates on like what, like the making of, but with obviously with a focus on Mark Patton and it definitely has an agenda. It's not an objective documentary. Um, no. it's a very focused, uh, with an agenda documentary, but I, I think, a a, a, a good agenda. Um, but we'll get to that, uh, before we dive into the film, uh, why are we talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2? And what is our history and relationship with the film? But also, um, where does this rank for you in the Nightmare franchise? And are you a Freddy fan? So, I think this is my pick, right? Yeah. Um, so, I guess I'll start out. Uh, uh what I was thinking of crazy sequels, this definitely came to mind for me. It's an outlier in the franchise. 
um, hated for like hugely successful, way more successful than the original. Um, uh, just quick background on the the sort of how Nightmare Two happens. Um, Wes Craven sells the intellectual property to Bob Shea at New Line Cinema, never thinking that it would turn into some sort of horror franchise. Now, the first movie is successful, but not like hundreds of millions of dollars successful. But it's the only card New Line Cinema is holding, right? So, of course, they're going to make a sequel because it's the only thing they got going on. Um, now, you know, Shea and Craven had a lot of, we should say, creative differences when they were making the original. Uh, so there's a little bit of uh, a friction there. Uh, so Shea hires David Chaskin, uh, who thought it would be a fun idea for Freddy having a human avatar, sort of a possession type script. And then uh, Jack Shoulder gets hired, who directed this, and <laughs> quoting him, um, never a huge fan of the original, thrown in clueless. I felt no compunction to follow the template of the original. Um, so that's who you got direct in this. And I think that's what sort of brings like, uh, why people don't, why people didn't like, I think things have changed in the last five years or so, especially since, uh, the, the scream queen, like, I think ownership has been brought back to the film. Um, uh, anyways, I discover nightmare two, uh, because of that documentary, it's it's uh, it was on Shutter at the time, a long time ago. It seemed interesting. I watched it. It blew my mind. I loved it. And then I was like, I I've never been the biggest uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fan. I have seen the original, but I really haven't seen any of the sequels. Mm. Um, so part two was my first sequel. To, to oh wow uh, yeah uh, just in just fact, like a couple years ago. In fact. Yeah, like around 2019 is when I oh, saw wow. the documentary. Wow. And then I was like, you know what? I don't think mm -hmm. I've ever sat down and watched the original. So that Whoa. year I saw this documentary. Then I saw um, part two and then I watched part one. And uh, which is funny because uh, I had seen Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street legacy. I've seen that documentary many years ago before I saw any of the movies because I was, uh, as a fan of horror, I, I was like, I don't know if I have any interest in watching ni the Nightmare movies because I'm oh, a man. Friday the 13th and Halloween guy. Um, oh, wow. Uh, so I, but I wanted to be knowledgeable about it. Right. So I watched mm -hmm. reviews and, and this documentary to get, like, get an understanding of what's going on because they... If you're a constant listener, you'll know that uh, like I was a scaredy cat as a kid and I didn't watch horror <laughs> films. And Freddie really left an imprint on me. Mm -hmm. Never seen the films, just seen like like commercials and trailers for it. I was like, I don't think I could ever watch this. This is too scary. Um, and I had a I've had a blast every time watching this movie for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but that's sort of my relationship with the film. And like, I mean, this is, this is a sassy sequel and it's like, unlike like Texas or, um, uh, uh, Gremlins two, the, the 
the major messages in these films are not intentional. They're very much come out of like ignorance and and uh from from some of the people in charge it was just like we'll we'll get into it but the culmination of like mm. this amazing actor bringing himself to this part and the ignorance of certain people and, and, and it, you end up with like a movie that's totally different than what it was intended to be i think so that's that's my experience with it what what about you guys for myself this was just like you know that like seventh eighth grade you know friends sleepovers that type of thing like we like ran rough shot through like all the freddy films uh at the time uh so definitely like and this was like you know being, i'm sorry uh, chris i'm hmm? sorry what did you say ran rough shot yeah like ran rough i've never heard that phrase before oh rough shot like you know from? just like uh, I don't know it's where it comes from. I've just always heard it like, you know, like you kind of like run right through them. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Is this, are you familiar with this, Mickey? Ran roughshod? I've heard it. Like roughshod okay. is like, you know, off the hip. Like you're yeah. just kind of like, it's quick. Okay. Just like, it's like you're not really, you know, okay. focusing. Yeah. You're not really, you're not like, do, yeah, just roughshod. No, I, I yeah. understood immediately what you yeah. meant. It's just a phrase I never heard before. And I like it. Yeah, it wasn't like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just say it is. <laughs> it's canon. It's now canon. 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 This is classic Western speak. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Texan. Yeah, you would know. I'm going to the source here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but no, so I mean, it was one of those things that like, and also too, like, it's actually funny because I was thinking about this about how, like, whenever we were talking about Slumber Party Massacre 2, I was talking about like how how like i remember staring at the box cover the freddy mm -hmm. films were one that i always like stared at the box covers, box covers oh man wonderful so box great. covers and such great like you know box covers that actually kind of surmise the films you know what i mean like yeah. this mm -hmm. one uh beautiful artwork beautiful yeah. yeah and then also uh was it uh I, I always mix up which one's which but was it for dream child with freddy with the little the baby carriage thing yep. like yeah yep. anyway in the, in the globe and like in the crystal ball yeah yeah, yeah, no, I, I love the, the, the box covers for these. But anyway, so like these were films that like watched in that like, you know, seventh grade sleepovers, that type of thing with like friends. And, you know, for the time too, like uh, us like having like, you know, watching this. And I remember being just very uh, not knowing what to make of it in a way because it was so outlandish. And like we were getting the messaging, uh, maybe not quite at the level of like as you later you know kind of dived into it more and you know as we got to touch base later on whenever like talk about scream queen some of the more background stuff but then you know like especially like the shower scene for instance and that type of thing. yeah it's fucking but, bonkers yeah it's insane and uh but then uh, honestly i mean i haven't seen it you know as a whole in i mean maybe not since then so this was you know probably my first time viewing it in however many years and was it an enjoyable experience? Did you? Not uh, really. Good. Okay, Thank really. You. Okay. Thank you, okay. Chris. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? So why wasn't it uh, enjoyable for you? I just don't think that this is just to me. Okay, so well, one, I love Freddy. Yes, I agreed. love Freddy as a concept. The movies, though, they don't really work for me. 
You know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, incredibly mm-hmm. enjoyable watches. Like, I always kind of thought that, like, the perfect Freddy movie has never been made and probably won't be made, you know? And that's, like, I, I was actually really hoping that the the reboot back in, I don't know, what was that, like, 2014 mm-hmm. or whatever, or maybe even older than that, like, I was really hoping that that was going to hit on some of the, like, what I want, which is almost more of that, like, origin story and more that, you know, that kind of mob mentality of this monster leading to then the horror after, but then it's just mm-hmm. never really quite been done well, so. But, uh, but this film, uh, but this film, yeah, I mean, it's just my opinion. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, what this is. But, um, but this film, I mean, like, I don't know. I just don't think it's that enjoyable watch mm-hmm. it's just really clunky you know and it, it just clunky. feels very um yeah it's very disjointed and i think to your yeah. point i mean i think that really what yeah. you said right off the bat really kind of summed it up yeah and uh, about like you know the director being like i don't like horror films <laughs> i don't really like this which what yeah. was it i read a quote by him that what was it after this came out he was like hey all wanted me to make horror films but i don't really like making horror films or something like that but then his whole his whole career pretty much has been Curious, nothing yeah. but that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, but yeah, so that's just my off the cuff. And I'll actually say this real quick. I'll we'll talk about this later. And this isn't to take away from the value that this has served to people. Correct. Because yeah. at the time, representation was not being done, especially in horror films. But there's a key problem to it that like especially now through a modern mm-hmm. lens that i think that we should kind of broach or talk about a bit which i yeah, don't know if we course. want to get into that now or not but yeah yeah we'll get into it for sure um uh mickey you, what was your history and your experience watching this so i'm gonna you're gonna have to sit, sit in a little bit because i'm gonna give you a little context and then i have a yeah, prepared please. statement i have, I have a nice. prepared statement that i wrote out for this Ooh. because i because i don't want certain people to get upset i don't, I don't want i'm not gonna put i just don't want anybody to get upset yeah but we, we don't want to uh, we don't want to hate on anything people love i'm Is not that what you're getting not at? gonna hate oh yeah, yeah. no hate yeah. yeah but but here's but to understand my fifth sixth and seventh grade years i i use the reference three men and a little lady if i were the little lady <laughs> and michael myers freddie cougar and jason Voorhees were the three men they raised me from fifth sixth and seventh grade all right <laughs> So, and then eventually I was like, I have real parents that I have to go to now. And the three men are just, they're sad. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, you'll always be part of my life. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, I've seen this numerous times. I, I, I would assume that it's probably around sixth grade. I'm watching it in one of those TV marathons because I know New Nightmare came out in 94. And I remember specifically going to the movie uh, rental store and getting it the opening the weekend that it comes out on box and burning through that movie numerous times. So 94 is New Nightmare. So I know I had, I had known the Freddy franchise very well up until that point. And I always watch one through two, through, through as many as I can on a TV marathon. And then subsequent times since then in my entire life, there's always usually an annual, oh, they're doing a, a Nightmare on Elm Street and they're playing a bunch of them, I, I will see parts or whole of this film again. Now, with that being said, here's my prepared <laughs> statement. We live in a world 
where some assholes are banning books and content in our school libraries that they deem to be too mm-hmm. gay, banning books that have LGBTQ plus characters, banning books that librarians have chosen to put into the school because maybe reading these books and imbibing in content that you identify with makes school feel a little safer, maybe makes you feel a little seen. And we know because of science that if a child feels safe and accepted, they do better in school and tend to have a healthier relationship with themselves and each other. So with that being said, I recognize this film as a reclaimed queer horror film with an iconic gay leading final boy. Mm-hmm. And I think it is so important, so important and so worthy, but I don't love it. And it's not even in my top four nightmare movies. And I hate saying that. And I love Jesse and long live Jesse, but it doesn't even like, I, I it's not, I, I don't love this film. And I, and I want to, because of all the, all the stuff that's been reclaimed and I want to be, I'm like, do I feel like I'm not woke or something that I just don't like the movie? Cause I love Jesse and I love what that's what's happening there, but it's just not a very good movie. I, so uh, I, I hate that, but that's, that I was will, my prepared I, statement. I, I will say to that. Um, I'm not going to pretend like this is a great film. I think it's a great story. The making of this film, the things around the film. Yes, I, I think agree it's very that. interesting. I think that's the documentary why it's... is a great film. I like mm-hmm. I like the documentary better. The documentary than the, the movie. is fantastic, and I think the story of the film surpasses the film itself, and 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 far as like how interesting and important it is, right? Correct. Because it's like again, it was made by. Hold on, let me. I got some quotes here. Hold on. So from um, uh, Joel Socian, I'm mispronouncing his name, the line producer. Looking back, it was so gay. It was amazing. All I can say is that we were all incredibly naive or all incredibly latently gay. I'm not sure which. Reading t- and then regarding the shower scene that was you were talking about, Chris, earlier. Read into it what you will, but I really thought it was just a horror scene, which really makes me feel stupid. This is just like the sort of incompetency that you're dealing with, like with these, with these, but, but, but yes, like but also white guys. But I'll also say that, that like I grew up, uh, even though I am Hispanic and from Honduras, I grew up in a pretty heteronormative white male world. Mm-hmm. And the the locker room was you know it was like there was a lot of things going on in locker rooms that were very homosexual that as a heteronormative white male you're like not aware that this would be seen that way but yeah this is how boys mess with each other as far as like guys coming out and whipping each other with towels and and like making people look at their penises and stuff it's like these things happen yeah, in locker very rooms you know it's like to do <laughs> it's like no That's look at the you know like like, like yeah make like i had a guy named i'm going to say his name actually because he'd be embarrassed because he's like he's an adult now but but he had Social a large security code put it on he had him. a lot i'm going to put it out there yeah but he had a large he had a large member and one of, of his jokes for he was when he was a junior, one of his jokes to do to the freshmen, and I was one of the freshmen, was to walk up while we were in our lockers getting things and just stand there, just as nude as can be, and just standing there, just staring at you, like right in your face, just like waiting for you to like turn around and be like, okay. And he's like, what do you think? 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 And you're like, um, it's it's nice. Thank you. I don't know. You're, you're good. I don't know. So 
there's like these things took place for me in locker rooms. And so I don't know. I can see I can see the naivete in these producers being like, yeah, that's I boys mean, locker come room. Come on, though. I mean, yeah, having the locker room with some room scene on the locker room scene. I, I understand fully the whole film is littered with with it's tons just of so it's yeah. just so, so it's not subtle. It's not subtext. It's just there. It's just yeah. there's so much stuff that's like right there. But but is it do you think that some of it was and I'm going to say, hold on, hold on. Have, I just I just I just want to say regarding things that happened in the locker room there was a guy in my high school who would give himself an erection in the showers yeah and put all the towels on his. he had a big dick too it's all these yeah. big dick guys <laughs> yeah. those guys and, are the worst. Uh, they're like i gotta show this off um and i mean, I, mean put, I, was like, of, I was one of those guys i was one of those guys i was one of those guys yeah chris you one of those guys <laughs> yeah no was. i uh, i have a baby dick so i would just uh, <laughs> i would just see those guys and i'd be like oh. so you're okay so you're <laughs> got it right yep, yep. yeah got it got it okay. um <laughs> uh, but he'd give himself an erection and put a bunch of towels on it and just like stand outside the showers to like hey get a towel what you don't want a towel what's wrong with you <laughs> that sounds so about like, right Hide, hide in people's lockers naked mm-hmm. or like reach his dick around the corner and be like, hey, yeah. up. Yeah, it's true. Do you ever get tapped? I never got. What do you mean? In what way? Well, in the boy locker room, we, we call and I understand getting tapped in that sense of you having sex. But but no, in the <laughs> boys locker room, it'd be did you get tapped and it'd be somebody would come around and tap you on your tap you on your privates <laughs> by oh, your like, back like of their hand. Ball tap like a, or like a ball yeah. tap. Yeah, yeah like a ball, ball tap. tap. Yeah, yeah. Or a, that was you know, big. That was yeah. that was like that just recently got out of my life. Oh, it's still going on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just just like just like within the last like five years, it kind of finally dissipated. Oh, well yeah. No, I, I was not a fan. Yeah. I have not been a fan of it for the last 20 years, but I was an active yeah. participant. I had brothers growing up. So it's like yeah. There, you got to yeah. understand there's there's probably nothing and this is this is something gay men have always told me there's nothing more gay than straight men. Mhm. Right. Which is I mean There's something there to that. Yeah. 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 I've been told like, by ex-girlfriends that I have a very a Greek point of view on my male relationships. Okay. <laughs> Chris is getting very uncomfortable right now. Oh no, I'm not. I, no, I, he's I, fully aware. He loves it. Oh yeah, we. we yeah. I know. <laughs> I just always thought it was funny. <laughs> Remember when we were in the we, like early yeah. in our relationship, Chris and I's relationship, we were in a car, and I was like, one of the things I like about our relationship is that, like, I kind of feel like maybe one day we'll have sex. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Actually, just sits there loving it. He just loves it. I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll lean into it too. Like, uh, you know, it's just fun, but. Uh, but sexuality too. Uh, I, I, I don't. If I may too. Yeah, uh, please. I, a couple things actually. One, uh, I always kind of hate like the ideologies of like you know. Sometimes in conversation, it sounds very much like oh, there's gay and then there's straight. It's like well, no, sexuality right. is no, a fluid yeah. concept. Absolutely. That, that, Absolutely. That, that so I mean like you know like the whole All ideology the of yeah titles and what thing people are. I think is yeah. too much. Yeah, to 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 sum up the existence of people's relationships to one another into three categories is pretty mm-hmm. pretty lame. If you Fascinating. haven't explored your sexuality a little in your life, then you're missing out. You really Absolutely. like to to test the to, to test what it is that you enjoy. 
You know what I mean? But yeah, to, uh, to have the freedom to uh, appreciate um, the male form. <laughs> <laughs> the way you say it, you, you lean, lean into in. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Mickey, Mickey, and I, Mickey, uh, uh, more so Mickey than than Chris. Mickey, we've had like we'll we could wax poetic about the male physique for for hours. Oh, sure, sure, easily. I I I I think I think more about males' physiques. I think more about that than I do women. Yeah, to have, a, to have a guy oh, really? at a gym tell you, to have a guy at a gym tell you, like, dude, your legs look fucking awesome. How did they get that way? Yeah. That like is probably like has more yeah. effect on me than like like a girl being like, hey, I I, really? I can agree. I can agree yeah. to that to a certain extent. Mm. Yeah, it's like because a girl like, never it, does that. A girl never. A girl's when, never been like, I like your muscles so much. When I when I'm working out or I'm running really hard or doing anything like that, it's never to impress a girl. It's always to impress other men. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that weird? Always. Maybe um, it's a curious thing to kind of, yeah, pick apart. All, not, all, not the, here, all the, not in this forum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, all, all the things that I have done in order to make myself more attractive to the opposite sex is really uh, things that men appreciate way well, more than women do. Yeah. That's sure. different, though. Yeah. Sure. You kind of wander into an area there. Uh, almost not accidentally, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not purposeful. Yeah. Like yeah. back back whenever you were doing things distinctly to look as best as you could, you weren't like bench pressing it to impress your fellow gym dudes. You were wanting to impress the opposite sex. It just yeah, didn't but then go what, the way what ends up happening is you get attention from other men who are like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. Anyways, what were you gonna say, Chris? Before we 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 like went off the road. Well, I, and actually, I guess uh, maybe to bring it back to the movie a bit, but uh, Mickey, going back to your prepared statement, though, like I, I kind of think that that's an important thing to address, though, of like just because you can see something's value, like Nightmare on Elm Street two, and the role that it ha- it had for people that you know see themselves as part of LGBTQ of a certain time in which there wasn't representation in the horror, you know, that shouldn't as a you know an ally that shouldn't just mean that you give the source material a pass you know like yes. you can see its value but also mm-hmm. too you can at the same time critique it for what it is you know what i mean yes. Yes. so like that's i think an important separation i think that all of us can agree like you know like there's the value of what the film has had for a lot of people mm-hmm. and continues to and what we maybe have to say about the film negatively does not rain upon mm-hmm. that and it also, I think it also paints a picture as well, where it's like having seen the documentary first and seeing this film, Michelangelo is such, I, I would recommend, I'm not making recommendations, but I'm just saying it's like, that's the way to go if you want to appreciate this film more. Because having having 20 plus years of experience with this film, and then to have only in the last five years, you know, really been like, look yeah. at it as something important to people. It's like, I can see the importance, but I can't unsee, you know, multiple watches of being like, this is slowing down the franchise for me. This film kind of feels a little bit like a little like an outlier that I don't like, you know, and that's the Mm -hmm. thing. that, And I want to feel okay and safe to say, like, I don't like something, but I totally value it and think it's important and love what it has done for other people. Absolutely. Well, and also, if I may, real quick, uh, I think uh, for myself, it gives me a little self-exploration, too, to see, to learn more about it later in life. Because at the time when I saw this, 
you know, you're a small minded, especially Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, teenager. There was a time that this was film was referred to be my friends and I as, you know, the gay one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and that's and like many people. And that's yeah. a growing point. You know what I mean? To like then yeah. see at least then what it is, especially later on. But yeah. But something something I value and find interesting about this film is like you take you take something like um the worst movie ever made, that documentary about Troll 2, mm-hmm. right? And it's like why people love it, right? Because it's yeah. like you have these filmmakers who are completely oblivious trying to make a really good film and they fail. And these sort of in the, the joy that certain people get out of that, right? Yeah. Um, I think that a similar thing like that is happening with this, what happens with this film. But I think the juice that comes out of that is, is super valuable and really mm-hmm. interesting. I think um, the journey of Jesse to me is awesome to watch the, mm. the quote unquote subtext that ended up being like completely blatant and obvious. I enjoyed, I, I think all of the actors are great. I don't think there's a bad actor in this film. I think they're all doing an amazing job and they're playing, they're playing like they're playing this straight. No pun intended. They're playing like they're playing like what's on the page really well, like serious actors. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Mark Patton, he's doing what an actor is supposed to do, which is like bringing himself to the character. He didn't fail by his betrayal of the character. He succeeded. It's the filmmakers that fail him. It's society that fails him. It's the social norms that fail him. I mean, could you imagine if this like had been intentionally written and directed with these themes that in would mind. Have been, by that would like, have been a great yeah, movie. Yeah, by like a woman mm-hmm. or a gay man. Would have been uh, a wonderful uh, movie. Uh, you know, it's it's just whether you want to or not, or whether you're aware of it or not, your your psyche can be exposed while performing, you know, creating your art. Um, um, so in this case, it's it's just like he's he's doing he's 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 a very good actor and he's doing such a good job that all of that is coming to the forefront and combination with completely oblivious people making these crazy choices and again i mean this is a film that's like you know they started production in july and then it gets released in october that's an extremely short turnaround Mm -hmm. most of these I don't think any actor had the full script outside of uh, they had like audition scenes Mm -hmm. and treatments. It was being written on the fly and like, like all of this is sort of like coming together. And I think that's where you got certain Mm -hmm. people like production designers kind of making a joke out of all the like gay subtext, you know, and like putting very obvious things into the set dressings. Well, I think that's an interesting, that's a very important thing, right? Like, I think sometimes you read some of these quotes and it almost makes it sound like it was stumbled into. And it's like, no, there was people that were actively making decisions that were, you know, purposeful in trying to show the, this like, you know, coming of age and coming to terms story with your sexuality. And then you had people that were just blissfully ignorant. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not it's not a one side of the coin or the other. It's both, you know? It's Yeah, it's the, the ingredients that made this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that Mark Patton 
and Jesse Walsh. I mean, for me, they make the movie. And I think that Mark Patton is, is an incredible human being. And I think that had they not cast him, this movie would be banished and exiled from, from the Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he is what is interesting. He is what makes this thing live on and will outlive many of its predecessors, you know, because of him. So I want to just like make that point very clear. It's like for me, Absolutely. this movie is not a, a Freddie movie. This is a Mark Patton movie, right? He, it's like he take was, it out of a Nightmare on Elm Street. Make it just I can be a standalone film about Jesse Walsh's journey. It's like that's that's what this movie is for me now. But in the as far as in the canon of Nightmare on Elm Street, it just it just messes with Freddy's entire rules too much to make oh, it yeah, even it doesn't make watchable. There's no, yeah. yeah, it totally goes off script. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. The whole pool mm-hmm. scene. We'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it again, and that that that's born out of like uh, uh, the director, like um, saying, "I felt no compunction to follow the template of the original." This is this is a money run. This is a yeah. money run, and it was well, a successful money run. You might you might call it a rough shot. <laughs> I I was gonna say too. I had read somewhere that pretty much this was a film that like elongated New Line Cinema's life. Yeah, like oh, for this, sure. It, yeah. it was this a had big, failed, big hit. New Line Cinema would have been dead. But mm-hmm. like because it was successful enough, it lived on for another five years or eight this, years yeah. or whatever it was after the fact. This film served like so many people in a positive way, except for its star. Mm-hmm. It yeah. essentially ends his like it he he ends his career by choice. Um yep. but like this is this is a major part of it. He's dealing with uh, you know on the AIDS the, you know, the I mean, AIDS there's... crisis mm-hmm. that was happening. I mean, yeah. you had to you had to, if you got like to get work as an actor, could you imagine like to get work as an actor, you had to take an AIDS test mm-hmm. and prove that you were not HIV positive. Right. Like, right. like, and you could not be seen as like a gay man. You could be gay. Yep. You just couldn't be seen as gay. Can we just take a it's collective second? Nuts. Can we just take a collective second for just a second? Just say, uh, fuck you, Ronald Reagan. Um, yeah, hell yeah! Every time I check in, <laughs> we may lose I'm some in. listeners. I don't think we are, but we may lose some. No, but... fuck them. If if you're a yeah. huge Ronald, I'm a huge fan of his acting. <laughs> Personally, yeah. he did a movie. Uh, he did a TV uh, movie with James Dean. He was a, he was a good actor. He That's was a why, decent how actor. He, yeah. he became like a president because he's like you know a good actor. Time great Bonzo. hair. Great mm-hmm. hair. Apparently, his wife gave great blowjobs. That's, uh-huh. that's a rumor yeah. out there. Yep. She was like the blowjob queen in Hollywood for a while, apparently. I yeah. don't know. Played by a lot I of people. It's yeah. Very it's well backed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. A wiser man uh, than myself has said, uh, if you ever want to think about uh, something that has gone wrong in modern American society, you can generally blame uh, Ronald Reagan for it, and you'd be right more <laughs> times than not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but just the, just the anti-gay hate and just like what came about and and it's like it it it's just so I mean just in history and it's not just Reagan I mean Islamophobia the Red Scare sure. all these times in which yeah, he chose a group to villainize and to other it's like man ah, pisses me off and uh, and Mark Patton's a uh, he is a casualty of all that. Mm-hmm. His career, um, 
yeah. is not anymore Hollywood. though. Yeah. Well, and no, we'll get no, to no, that. No, that's, no. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's no, no. that's that's what's sort of fantastic about that documentary. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, let's let's kind of get back to the movie a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, I gotta say, I've always hated the bus. I don't get the love of the bus. What do you Some mean? People the lo- really yeah. like the. I, I don't hated the, the bus as a kid. I hate the bus now in public transportation. <laughs> the bus is always the worst fucking thing. That's always mm-hmm. where the craziest stuff is well, happening. I was talking about the I bus scene. Seat. I wasn't taking apart the, 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 the transportation <laughs> system of the bus. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I think they really capture what I felt like on the bus. But I will say, I love a good miniature. Mm-hmm. You know what sure. I mean? And Chris, yeah. that kind of reminds me, how is, how is Halloween Town coming along? You got a bus yet? Oh, I don't have a bus. I should get a bus. You should get a bus. <laughs> I should yeah. get a bus and, and do a little Freddy figurine in the bus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but like not like Robert England. Yeah, because yeah, he's just yeah. driving. Yeah, he doesn't know where the makeup. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I do uh, an interesting fact about him and in, in, in this film. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but like they, so mm-hmm. he's already. When you hear Robert England talk about playing Freddy, it gets he gets a, it's a, it's and I it's have to imagine I would I might fall I might fall <laughs> under the same spell, but like he gets a little grandiose about it. Um, <laughs> it's and I, it's not wax. to discredit. He really did create yeah. this amazing. He created that yeah. character. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know they wanted to hire because they didn't have the money because his agents were like, you got to pay him this money and they didn't have it. And so they hired like an extra. Mm-hmm. So they, they have shots in the film of like this extra, like in the smoke and stuff. And uh, they were like, this guy fucking sucks. No offense <laughs> to the extra, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, he yeah. really brought like a character to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, in the documentary uh, screen queen, um, he, uh, <laughs> He's like his claw in the face and the well, finger. Yeah, in the well, mouth he's just and... talking about like I was picking up on these tones. Um, um, how do you say it? I think it's called homoerotic. And yes. like this is in 2019. He's like, I, yeah. I, I don't know what yeah. this term is. I think it's called homoerotic. <laughs> it's just like wow, he's still kind of out of touch. I think a little. Anyways, 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 he's. He's I think he is uh, great in the movie. I think he does a great job with what's going on in the film. I mean, given he the is Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like the reason why I think for all of us our age too, like even Michelangelo, despite the fact that you hadn't even seen this film, there was a time like late 80s, early 90s when Freddy oh. Krueger was like, oh, yeah, I was fully aware. ads. He was in, you know, yeah. shows, yes. that type of thing. Like, you know, like he was a presence in pop culture. He, he had and that's rap because, songs. Yeah. 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 And that's <laughs> he's Apollo of, Creed. Michael Myers is Rocky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I like, like it. I like it. Oh, I like it. We're, talk, I like we're talking it. Rocky. We're talking Rocky one and two Rocky. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, I was just going to say, he's part of the pop culture lexicon because of Robert England. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not because yeah. of like, oh, that character is just so good that, you know what I mean? Like, no. Yeah, he did, of- he did create this, like, t- this amazing, like, he brought life to this character. And it, like, it has endured, yeah. like, a lot because of because of Because him. of him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to shout out Kevin Yeager. 
who did the makeup effects for Freddie in this, um, who had a hard time recreating the original makeup because it was the original was done on such a shoestring budget. They didn't have a bunch of like Polaroids of like the makeup mm. and like a, how to how to redo it. So he was he was going off of like production stills and like his memory of watching it in order to recreate mm. the makeup for it, which is why he doesn't look quite right. Didn't look quite you know right. What yeah. I mean, he looks mm. different. That's true, but like I will say, especially if we compare it to the other films, he's got a very visceral, slimy feel in this he's film. Wet. He's wet. as opposed to in other films, at times it can be a bit rubbery. Not in the original, yeah. more like later on. But yeah. Uh, yeah. that is this one thing is, that I think is definitely to its benefit. This is the Wetty Freddy movie. He's the wettest I've seen. <laughs> <him>. Wetty Freddy, <laughs> uh, and the fucking effects in this film are, I think, top notch. I mean, considering the, the, coming good. out of yeah. Jesse's, coming out of Jesse's body. Oh yeah, that's that's great. God, that is that's really wonderful. Like, it's 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 quote unquote subtext. Now it's like yeah. fucking awesome, but yeah. like mm-hmm. the the actual effect itself is like looks phenomenal. Great. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, the uh, at the beginning after the his nightmare with the bus. He screams really loud. He screams. Mm-hmm. He's got this like very melodramatic scream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his little sister is like, Mommy, why can't Jesse wake up like everyone else? <laughs> it's like, it's straight out of like a John Waters movie. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, oh, they're very, like, everything yeah. with the family is like so campy, like the oh, pastels yeah. and like it's very mm-hmm. melodramatic. And it's just like, again, like, I, you, like, I'm surprised. I've seen lots of campy recreations of like um, on the stage uh, of like uh, George Romero's uh, Night of Living Dead and Army of Darkness and things like that. I'm surprised there isn't like a staged musical version of this Hmm. where it's like you're you're able to really um, uh, uh, someone could like really embody and uh uh bring forth the in- unintentional subtext that this film has mm-hmm. you know what i mean to, re- to, to continue to celebrate the things that are really great about it in, in its story and in its making despite its many failures as a film mm-hmm. um also did you guys notice the racist cereal the little sister is eating the f- oh, yeah uh, <laughs> the, the, the food yeah. fingers that's the foo it. Fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta get the foo fingers. Not yeah. foo fighters. Nope. Uh, uh, yeah. So again, again, the writers, director, very um, producers, producers. Yeah, a little bit uh, clueless. A little. Can bit. I? <laughs> can I ask a quick question? Uh, so I don't know. Can't remember his character's name, but uh, Clue Gallagher. Uh, Jesse's dad. Yeah, uh, fucking. Uh, yeah. Uh, listen to our Return of the Living Dead episode. He's in yeah. that. He's fucking mm-hmm. fantastic. Well, yeah. that's ex- actually exactly my point. Is that the same character? <laughs> as yeah, Return as, of the uh, Living Dead. Yeah, you never no. see him go to work, and he's got very nope. much the same kind no, of no, energy. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I would disagree with you. Those are totally different guys. <laughs> okay, those are totally different guys. <laughs> No, think about it. He's like this kind of like uh, straight-laced, uh, like uh, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. Uh, like, oh, you uh-huh. know. Um, oh, yeah. Straight lace guys never run corrupt businesses. That never happened. <laughs> You're right. You're so no, right. he's a different guy. No, if you if you watch behind the scenes on Return of the Living Dead, his character, he's like, yeah, this guy's like an old cowboy guy. He's real proud of his body. Like, he probably likes taking off his shirt. And he's like, you know, and it's like, I don't know how you get that out of the character in Return of the Living Dead. But I don't see this dad. <laughs> I don't see, I don't see Jesse's I think, dad as Jesse's a guy who's proud of his body. <laughs> I think okay. he's probably ashamed of his body. Uh, sure. Okay. Ron, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, not sure. Ron, what's this fucking, uh, Ken Walsh, um, uh, uh, Jesse's dad. Walsh. It's the Ken Walsh is his yeah. name. Um, yeah. That, that does bring up something for me. Um, about being blamed you're on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I totally I, I, I thought about it too. Yeah. He's it well well like not only that, okay, so it's like he he gets like he's being blamed for the bird. It's insane. That's yeah for yeah, Jesse's dad to think that like he made the bird go crazy and explode. Yeah. Set him a firecracker. But it's like I think that's again, I don't think this is there. I think this is this is you know uh, an, an intellectual person reading. Yeah, you're doing work uh, mm-hmm. doing this, but it's like I think that's an easier pill to swallow for like um, uh, a certain type of dad that like oh he must have done something as opposed to we're being haunted by some sort of ghost and my son is gay. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it's like classic. obviously. That's the father yeah. quarrel. Yeah, I think it goes Mickey, back to that old trope. That? that old trope, you know. Did you did your parents accuse you of being um uh, once of being of no not of being gay? No, I was accused of being gay all the time because I was like shy oh, and into I, the arts. Well, um, I was but, I have I have been I've also been been miscategorized as gay by not by my parents but by multiple classmates I went to high school with. Yeah, like everybody. Yeah. I you know, um but uh did your parents ever accuse you of taking drugs and you weren't yes. on drugs because of yes. your behavior? What's uh, I want to hear this. Tell uh, me. I was on drugs and they accused oh. me of it and I denied it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that they, are you serious? Incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were spot on. Uh, no, they, they they thought I was smoking pot and they found uh rolling papers in my bedroom and I told them uh it was for taking old cigarette butts, emptying the tobacco out of them and then rolling my own cigarettes because I obviously couldn't <laughs> go anywhere and buy cigarettes. And they're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I was like, whew. Wow. But I've been, I was good, definitely good ball. Yeah, yeah, good job pulling that one off. Hey, kids, How use that one. Uh, I was in eighth grade. Okay. That was, a tr- that wow. was actually, a, that was a rough year for me. Eighth grade was a really rough year for me. We can get I'm into sure that in another podcast. <laughs> the, yeah, the pot made my loneliness much better, but it was a rough year. <laughs> uh, Chris? No, I, I was never really accused of being on drugs, which is funny because when I was a teenager, I would get stoned and come home and I would be like, I was a stone talker. So like, <laughs> I don't know, I'd see my folks and then something would come up and be like, oh, did you see about blah, 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 blah. I'm like stoned out of my head. And I'm like ranting and raving about something. I'm like, all right, I'll see you later. 
And your, parents was happy, <laughs> your parents are just happy to be talked to. I'm telling like, oh, you as a parent. Maybe <laughs> they talk to me. They talk, he yeah. comes home occasionally, and he's happy, and he talks to us. That's yeah. so, man, we want more of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. As a parent, I'd take it. I'd be like, I don't care. I don't care if he's stoned. He's talking to me. He makes me feel like he cares. Michelangelo, when were you accused of being on the drugs? Um, so I was in middle school. And it was late at night, and I was going down into the garage. Now, I was going down into the garage. Oh, because, I have to mention this. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned this to you. Yeah. I was going down to the garage because I would take my action figures, and I'd fill a Ziploc bag with water, and I'd put them in there, and I'd freeze them, and I'd play Demolition Man, where I would, like, <laughs> I'd freeze them in the Dude. freezer in the garage. Yeah. And then, mm. and then like, I play these, you know, I was older. Yeah. So instead of sure. moving my interest on to other things that most kids do, I was developing more elaborate games with my sure. toys. Smile um, on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I'm like going down into the garage and my dad's like, it's late. And my dad's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Because I'm embarrassed that I'm playing with sure. toys. He's like, what are you yeah. doing? I'm like, I was going to the garage. And he's like, why are you going into the garage? And I was like, I froze my action figures and I was wanted to defrost them. <laughs> and that sounds like a much worse line than <laughs> and he's he like, me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you're on drugs. I'm getting you tested. Right? I may have said the same thing if I were your dad. So now, now this works into my favor because at school, there was this like really tough girl who once a week she would pick somebody and be like, I'm going to kick their ass. And one week mm -hmm. it was my week to have my ass kicked by her. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm like, I can't, I can't beat up a girl and she's bigger than me. So I can't like hold her down or anything. Like she's going to kick my ass. I'm going to get my ass kicked by this girl. So I tell my best friend this story about how my dad thinks I'm on drugs and he's going to get me tested. I don't tell him why. I just tell him my dad thinks I'm on drugs and he's going to get me tested. He then tells somebody who tells somebody who tells somebody who tells somebody, right? And it gets back to her. And then I remember she came up to me in the lunchroom and I'm fucking scared shitless. And she like, right in my face. And she's like, I hear you're getting tested. Because your parents think you're on drugs. I was like, yeah. She's like, you're a little fucking stoner, aren't you? And I was like, uh. She's like, I fucking like you. You're cool. Yeah, and then like, left me favorite. alone. Yeah, you did it. You did it. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvester Stallone. And I think you figures. Demolition Man. <laughs> and my mother's did, deep freeze. So, so they, were, they were Demolition Man figures? No, 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 no. They were, they no. were like uh, G.I. Joe's. And okay. X Men. Okay. Uh, I was just but playing, you... like, I saw Demolition Man. I was like, this movie's awesome. That movie is awesome. Yeah. Snipes no, is best. Definitely no, not the gay in that movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, of nope. course not. Or Rocky 2, for that matter. Um, or anything with Rocky, Rocky 3. Ever. Rocky 3. Rocky 3. Rocky, Rocky 3 is the very, is the beach run hugging, mm -hmm. like, well, yeah. anyways, but speaking, yeah, speaking of badass chicks that were going to kick your ass, what do we think of Lisa Weber? The nicest. Yeah, she's the she's, nicest. She's, she's tough. the nicest. She's also she's the hero. I know she's she's kind of a badass. Jesse, that's my problem is Jesse doesn't actually. I wanted to talk about this later, but we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it now. Jesse Let's doesn't actually it. save the day. Jesse doesn't like 
just he doesn't, doesn't get to be really the final have boy. any growth, right? Yeah. That was yeah. That's yeah. He doesn't get to be a final boy. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. It's it's her. She faces Freddy mm-hmm. twice, right? Yeah. At the party, mm-hmm. she fucking fucking stabs him and shit. And then mm-hmm. she's the one who goes to the the iron factory, and she's mm-hmm. the one who discovers. <laughs> yep. Oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure they stole this ending from Ernest uh, Scared Stupid that came out much <laughs> later. They went into the future, and they. But it's true love yeah. that that um, saves Jesse's. Soul mm-hmm. from Freddy, which yeah. that's actually one of my big problems, right? It's, it's like such a doesn't hetero, make any sense. It's a, yeah. a hetero trope of like you know anyone yeah. who uh, who is on the spectrum and isn't heteronormative can be saved mm-hmm. by yeah um, a man or a woman depending upon the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always kind uh, of my com- my complaint about the final boy argument too. Mm-hmm. It's like, is he really a final boy or is he a damsel in distress? Yeah. You no, know, and that's, and and I don't want to poke holes in it because I, I like again, like I say, I, I love it for what it has been reclaimed as, and I love it for what it has done for people. So I don't want to like poke holes or or do that. But I sure. do feel like he's he they don't allow him the the growth that a final mm-hmm. girl has, where she faces the monster down herself in in a traditional slasher. Just be no, himself in this one. Yeah, you're right. He's just yeah. he's a he's kind of a um a victim mm-hmm. the whole time. You know, um, but yeah, yeah, that's you know, yeah, but yeah, Lisa is so fucking well, sweet, and her parents are great. And juxtaposition awesome. to Jesse's parents, they're fucking so cool. They're progressive yeah, like, and cool. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think whoa, so, Chris. Why not? Well, I mean, you know, the dad uh, wants to shove his Benny Goodman music on the kiddo. <laughs> has to be no, but he, away he's... by the mom. He has to be like, the mom has to be like, you can fuck me if you leave the children alone. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's I, a, well, I get it a little but, bit. <laughs> I would say the biggest storyline there to me is that the moms are cool. Because Jesse's mom is supportive yeah, and like really is. wants the best for him. She yeah, kind of is yeah, a barrier true. between the dad and him. You know what I mean? For She's sure. trying yeah. to serve that purpose. By the way, but, um, uh, yeah. um, what is her name? Cheryl? Right. Uh, Hope, Hope Lang, who played uh, 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 Jesse's mom. Fucking super attractive when she was younger. Super attractive oh, older woman gorgeous. too. But like gorgeous, yeah. you look up look up her photos from okay. when she was working when she was younger. My God, she was a stunner. Holy no, she's she's beautiful. Moly. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But also Lisa, I, I this... gorgeous, talented. Mm-hmm. Oh. Kind of has a Meryl Streep vibe. Oh, that's my God. why she oh, was hired. In... Yeah. Oh, that's really? why she was that's hired. Really a thing? Yeah. Wow. She looked like Meryl Streep. They had good chemistry. It's interesting. So Jesse, so Mark Patton auditioned for Johnny Depp's part in the first film. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Heather um, Lincamp. 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 She, uh, I didn't say it right. Heather time. Lincamp. Lincamp. She was like, deciding do i really want to do this movie because i can go to this ivy league school and like he had a conversation with her but like um um 
uh, Kim Myers also was dealing with that dilemma. Should I do this movie or go to this Ivy League school? Wow. Oh, should, yeah. should I be in Isn't a major motion picture or should I go to no, this they top weren't, of the world they country Ivy they League school? What a hard they conundrum. Weren't, <laughs> they weren't major motion pictures. They weren't. It wasn't, it wasn't a high profile thing to be doing. Um, a little bit maybe with the sequel because it was coming off the success, but that first one was like, I, like I said, mm-hmm. no major studio was going to fund a nightmare in Elm street that it, it like, like it was a fucking long shot that paid off. Yeah, yeah. The first one, the first one. And it's crazy that Wes Craven, like, could you imagine like he doesn't own that franchise? Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. He comes back and he does stuff. Yeah. Uh, but like, oh, wow. I, um, I will say this about Wes Craven, because you know, when I, he comes back and does three, which I think is more of a sequel to one than two is. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. But I, for sure. But but I will say that I, I think about this often <clears throat> in my discovery of A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. If you had been in a pitch meeting and somebody said, look, I want to do a slasher film. But instead of this being like babysitters at a slumber party where this mad person's out there killing people. I want him to only be accessible to them in their nightmares so that I can create a surreal environment for them. I would have been like, this is brilliant. The concept of this film, oh, the original, yeah. oh, is yeah. just awesome. It is so good. It is so good. And there's so many things you can do to play with it. And kind of going back to what Chris said originally, that they've not made the best Nightmare on Elm Street. That I, I agree in a sense that this is a, a movie that will continue to be remade every mm-hmm. so you know many years because you can get so surreal with it. It would be something like give it to an art house filmmaker and let them just kind of play in a weird world with this thing. And it could it could that's what they did the whole thing. What do you mean with this version? Number two. No, no, not not this no, version. No, no, but no, like no. I think part six or seven or whatever, like it's like that's what that's what they would do is like it it was all about it became all about like the creative the mm-hmm. the creativity of the dream world and the kills and things like mm-hmm. that like that's one thing I, I think you can't take away from the franchise is like yeah there are some really amazing effects and some four great is, like four like, has some of the best kills i'll just put that out there four has some of the best kills if you haven't seen it well you're a spoiler alert okay there's I kills just some of the best four? kills i'm saying kills, kills spoiler he thought that everybody was gonna be happy i thought maybe it was like they, they'd be okay in part four like yeah i i even don't i almost don't consider two a freddy movie it's like well, i feel like that's like jerry krueger or something it's like freddy's like twin brother who has knives that comes out of his fingers you know <laughs> well you're hitting on something that i guess like on a rewatch it really struck out to me right it's like this a nightmare on elm street 2 is halloween 3 season of the witch really yeah it's a complete departure yeah. From yep. really the series. Now, yeah, Freddy's yep. in and all that. But I mean, really, it is so disjointed. I think that it would mm-hmm. almost would have been better off if it hadn't been Freddy, if it had been yeah. Jerry Kruger. Yeah, exactly. Jerry's Freddy's stepbrother that also yeah. <laughs> likes to get yeah. you in the can, dreams can, in can, the real world. Somehow figured out how to you know <laughs> yeah. cross that that barrier mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. real world. Absolutely. Um, do we want to talk about the coach a little bit? I mean, Marshall we can. Bell. We're 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 with you. We're we're riding Marshall this Bell. train with love you. Love Marshall Bell. I love that um, guy. Yeah, he's good. Is he's always good. Coach Gay. Is he intentionally a villain? And 
intentionally depicted as gay because that's what they used to do in films is like they they'd like make uh like someone seem scary or evil because they're gay david chaskin did say eventually that he added homophobic not homoerotic subtext Mm -hmm. to it so it's like my, my theory is that um the gym teacher is a catholic school gym teacher he's a priest and a gym teacher or he's a disgraced priest who has been relocated to a school as a gym teacher while they're finding new placement for him somewhere. <laughs> this is definitely coming I out of your psyche. Yeah, I think you like no, 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 no. This is all this man. there. It's <laughs> so obvious. No, no. I, th- I think Coach Snyder is is that. I mean, I think we've all had these people in our lives. It's that probably. Uh, the way they wrote it, not the way I'm taking it. I think they wrote him to be kind of like a perverted, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, uh, on the up and up coach or teacher that is um, to be feared. You know, I yeah. think that's how it was written. Um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. No, obviously I, I yes. agree. Yeah. He's a, a perverted prick. I don't think he's necessarily like he's an asshole. He's not he's like at a, a gay you know, bar, though. I don't, which well, is, okay, so, so, okay. Let's, let's right, pull that dumb, out. Because the, the dumb okay. straight guys thinks, thinks it's, it's an S&M bar. Yes. But it was shot in a and bar. intentionally meant to be a gay bar. Mm-hmm. The director disagrees, but okay. Yeah. yeah the director who There's is oblivious, some... so you cannot, like, he doesn't disagree. He was oblivious. He was like, I had no idea. Yeah. It was a gay bar. I thought it was just like an S&M thing. You cannot trust his opinion when it comes to these things. So, like, yes, but, but also, the lens he's of the, the director. director. Yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, I understand I'm talking what you're about saying, what's, but it, he's what's the on director. the page. Yeah. What's no, on I, the page? I, what are we I seeing? I, yeah. You know what we're seeing. But he also, says he didn't know it was a gay bar. Also, Bob Shea plays the bartender who gives Jesse the beer. Hmm. And so Bob Bob Shea wanted to play um, Grady's dad, right? Oh. Who I want I want to talk about Jesse and Grady's oh, yeah. relationship. We gotta get I into thought that, it was yeah. fantastic. Um, that's yes. the whole thing. Yeah, that's um, the whole thing. Um, but he wanted to play uh, you know, Ferris's and dad ended up playing the part, uh Layman mm-hmm. Ward. Yeah. Um, he wanted to play that part. The director's like, no, this is this is a part that requires an actor. And Bob Shea, being yeah. a, a, a frustrated actor, gets upset by this, and he gets cast as the bartender. Again, oblivious. Shea is completely oblivious to any homoerotic subtext whatsoever mm-hmm. in the script and what they end up making. So he goes to a place called The Pleasure Chest with his two daughters, Whoa. who were 10 and 12 at the time, oh, to pick out the outfit that he wears in the bar with the things. Oh, and he's like, he's like in there and it's like, daddy, this will look good on you. And this will look good on you. And the, the, the person working, according to Shay, the person working at the, at the pleasure chest was like, maybe your daughters uh, want to go outside while you yeah. make your purchases. So this is, this is the level of like obliviousness that we're dealing with here that like Shay. You see, you see Shay in this, the bartender, and you're like, oh, obviously he's like a leather-clad daddy who's running this bar. And yeah. he sees this as there's no, there's no, nothing here is weird. It's This is just like biker culture or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I think he's well, seeing himself as Marlon Brando in the Wild One or something. You know, what I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> which is the, kind of a gay ca- guy, gay yeah, iconic character. I was gonna say you're kind yeah. of leaning into the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> next it there, yeah. but I mean, well, they yeah they reference to the point though there the biker thing. I mean, they do reference it being an S and M bar earlier in the film yes. between Grady and Jesse. So that's definitely the intention. Yeah. Explain these beets to me. They're what vegetables. The they grow on the ground. So they're Jesse, delicious when roasted. Mm-hmm. Jesse goes into the kitchen at night. Oh, okay, yeah. Lightning strikes inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he walks barefoot to an S and M bar. Uh, yeah. Yep. What? It doesn't. It. I am so confused. It's, it's, this is. So this is where you're dealing with, this is a a perfect example of like, okay, you have the unintended subtext of the film that kind of ends up being this like great part of the story, right? Eventually. But then you have scenes like this where it's like, well, what is this supposed to mean? This doesn't mean anything. Well, I actually... This doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, no. What what did you get from it, Mickey? Here's what I got from it. And... and Granted, I've seen this multiple times and I've watched documentaries and I know the arguments on each side and I and I and I understand 100 percent. Again, I'm just going to say. The coach has been punishing uh, Grady and Jesse. Freddie needs Jesse to kill in order to get closer to inhabiting his soul or his body. Mm-hmm. Who is the most obvious choice to kill? It's the coach. Oh, the gym teacher. Yeah, yeah. of course. So. Lightning strikes while Jesse, I guess, is dreaming. I guess the idea is that he's like in his sleep dreaming or maybe sleepwalking. sleepwalking. Yeah. yeah. The lightning strikes and it's supposed to be like a light bulb going off where it's like, oh, I know where to go okay. to make my first yeah. kill. He ends up at the S&M club because we now have to make the gym teacher even more ab- abhorrent. But you know, how does he know to go there? And how can he walk Freddy's, from a suburb to... Because Freddie's uh, leaving well, him, I don't know. Unless you, unless you live off of Sunset Boulevard. You know what I mean? This is uh, this is fright, this is fright night city. Fright night, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing, right? Do you know anything about Springwood, Ohio? I don't. <laughs> Who knows yeah. where it is? I'll tell you. They have palm trees in a desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just accepting it i'm i'm all in i'm, uh, I'm gonna winter there it looks very tropical and warm. <laughs> god bless you i mean yeah. i i yeah i think that that just i would say that that all makes perfect sense i think the problem of course that i would have is just as a viewer of the film that for me is not there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's a level of work that I have to fill in that is not present, you know, doing work. Sure. Which I Um, I will say this. I like uh, when the policemen bring him back afterwards, how they just say, is this yours? Is this yours? (laughs) Is this your child? Is this yours? Is this yours? (laughs) It's like, geez. Son, answer me two questions. And if you do, you can go to sleep. What are you on, and where are you getting it? <laughs> and I get so like, 
It's like he's, he, he has an opportunity to be a good dad and he just like totally fails his yeah. son. Mm-hmm. And the, you see the mother is like, yeah, that's uh, bef- so before, before he goes to the S&M bar, mm-hmm. right? When the toaster lights on fire, this is after the bird, <laughs> right? And the father says, that's the craziest damn thing I've ever seen. It's like, you mean mm-hmm. crazier than our beloved pet bird tearing apart his brother, <laughs> ripping your face open, and, and then exploding, exploding into flames in, in the living mid, room? Crazier yeah. than that, Dad? The toaster <laughs> caught on fire? Are you well, fucking serious? <laughs> I, I will say, an unplugged in toaster shooting flames out the top? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, that it's is, in the same ballpark. No, it's totally, no, it's not in the same ballpark. An like unplugged a toaster, toaster a, that shoots flames? There's no there's no mechanical functionality un, that that can happen. No, I, 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 I hear you, but like, uh, maybe it was plugged in. Maybe like, I don't know. No, he but calls least, out that it was unplugged. He holds it up. I, I know, I know, but it's like, <laughs> it's it's just like, I, I'm sorry, but like flames shooting out of a toaster that's not plugged in is in a completely different area than like your pet going fucking nuts, murdering the other pet, and then like exploding after attacking you. Now, you can explain the bird by it could be like a rabid bird. No. Okay. Well, they don't <laughs> outside the explosion. The well, that, that, that's where I was going. The house is so hot. That the bird is so oh, hot. It's so hot. The house is so, so hot. hot. They keep talking about it. it's such it's a so hot house. The dad so is like, oh, just you just a little spray of free uh, freon is all it needs. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's yeah. Some, I like. I feel like for me at least, I saw the trope in like stuff that would satirize horror films about the like dumber than dirt dad that's like in denial. And you know, like especially on rewatching this, I was like, oh, I think this is like the 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 you know what it's purely pulling from you know what i mean is this is clue Callagher's uh character jesse's dad because his in this film it's another level of like you know like yeah so i mean the air conditioner doesn't work at all and it runs 90 degrees and my son screams at night and uh the bird explodes and the toaster has flames shooting out of it and nothing abnormal is happening no one questioned this <laughs> you know what i mean like i it is uh, almost funny and satirical the level of oh. like you know denial that's happening but in his character i would say in his performance he might i, I think there's it, he's an intelligent actor there might be satire there but i don't think it's on the page i think oh no he, I, no i, agree. I, I think I agree. it's yeah yeah that 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 that's that's that, that's the biggest difference again uh between like something like this and Texas and Gremlins is like mm-hmm. they the satire is completely unintentional. Oh, absolutely. Intentionally, you know, he was like uh the Chaskins the writer was like oh like like a lot of a lot of things in in, in uh, like a lot of men are, are are being accused of things right now for being gay and like there's the the you know everything with AIDS is happening and like how scary would it be to not know your sexuality, mm-hmm. like that to him was a terrifying prospect. Yeah, of like what if I was gay? That's the scariest thing I can think of is what if I was gay? Scariest thing, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So that's where a lot of this is coming from. And then you add in all these clueless decisions. On mm-hmm. top of like really intelligent yeah. and sensitive performers coming together, it's just mm-hmm. like it's just like crazy fucking mix, man. Oh my god. Um. So, hey, hey, Grady, 
Do you remember yeah. your dreams? Yeah. Only the wet ones. Only Let's the talk wet about ones. Grady. Can we, before what we get into, I, I want to get into Grady, but I want to make it very clear. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Grady pushed his grandmother down a flight of stairs, correct? <laughs> That's what, what he says. He can't go yes. to the party because he pushed his grandmother <laughs> down a flight of stairs. <laughs> is, yeah, Grady, like, what? is Grady a psycho? <laughs> He's, like, He's a Neanderthal. He's a Neanderthal for sure. Shoved his grandmother down the flight of stairs. <laughs> like, I want to know that story. No, I it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And, and, they, and they walk right over it. It's like, I oh, think yeah. they think it's a comedic beat. And I'm like, in no world is that funny to anybody. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think that's what happened. Maybe Grady's saying that. I think he's, that. Saying I think he's making that. a joke. I think yeah, he's okay. making a joke. Yeah. I don't think he acts that way a little bit. Yeah. Push my grandmother down the my, stairs. Yeah, I, I, he's like, he's like, you know, his mouth is full of food, <laughs> and he's just I like, like a, I shoved my grandmother oh, down. There. I, I think it's just yeah, like uh, his sense of humor, yeah. his sense yeah, yeah. of humor. You know, I don't think yeah. he actually pushed his because he's like, so Grady, Grady. There's no question that Grady is a Neanderthal. He yeah. shows affection the way most straight boys do at that age by pulling down other men's pants. He displays like real like concern and friendship to like putting the snake around Jesse, which is like, oh my God, what stephalic symbolism in that snake <laughs> slowly wrapping around Jesse yeah. as he's sleeping. Mm -hmm. But like when Jesse is kind of like kind of like smiles and flips him off and is like, fuck you, you know, like you got you got me. Grady, you yeah. got me. That was a good one. Like they have like a they have like a friendship, and he displays concern for sure. him. Like, sure. hey man, what's going on with you? Oh, you're not gonna well, talk. You're not gonna talk about it. Fuck you then. You well, know, I would say though that that also kind of like Jesse's relationship with Grady and his relationship with Lisa. It, it's kind of the film, like his relationship with Lisa's unearned. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, it's just thrown on you that that they're already friends or whatever in yeah. the beginning of the what film despite the fact it's like why has that loves. happened that they've become right. so close and then with grady too right in the beginning of the film it's presented as almost like grady is the bully and then right. they're i mean he's the closest friend really that jesse has in the film yeah that's you know what, he what goes i mean to when he and when he's in yeah. need yeah and, and it's I, completely I unearned say... that 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 traction you know what i mean how it moves I from the bully in the beginning in. of the film to that I, I yeah. think that I, I'm also with Michelangelo mm. on that. I think that there is enough time of them like in um uh in plank position together where you're like they're bonding building a relationship based yeah. yeah bonding through yeah. punishment. Yep. It's like we've we've gone yeah. through this together. That's fair. You know, and I mean and their performance. Right. Their performance. They they give they fill in the gaps in their performance. Uh, I will say for, I believe it in that regard. I guess I just feel like from yeah. a story perspective, it's like I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't, yeah. doesn't from make a sense story to me. perspective, this is a piece of shit. In my opinion, it is. from a story perspective and uh, like Chaskins, we'll get into him later, but he really comes off as a scumbag to me. He is. A, he's uh, a homophobic yeah. scumbag. And, yeah. uh, and Mark whoa, whoa, Patton whoa. is. A, I, I, you, you think you, he's a homophobic scumbag. I, I think it's a little it's a, a, I, don't don't defame yourself by saying that he definitely is. Don't be like him. I know Mark Patton won't call him a homophobe. I understand that. And I appreciate Mark Patton yeah. for doing that. But I think that it's very clear that he's homophobic when he wrote this, that he has a certain opinion about homosexuality and how 
that could be the worst possible thing to be wrestling <laughs> with in your life. I think that there classifies that. you as homophobic. And I and I'm not going to back away from those words on okay, him okay, at that point okay. when he wrote it. But now, hey, has he recanted his life and does he deserve to still be called a homophobe? Okay, maybe today you're not, but when you wrote this, you were. You know, and I was. I I have I have been places in my life when people could have said, "Mickey, you're a little racist," and I'm like, I had to really grow from that. Oh and yeah, I had to come same. to recollection with that. You know, I was like, you know what, I am yeah. being a little racist about something. Yeah. So we all carry prejudices and we all learn from them. And it's the fact that you know, if you still deny it many many years later, then you're not accepting that. Yes, at one point in your life, you're prejudiced. It's okay to grow. Right. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. It's OK. Absolutely. We want to punish people for for mistakes they've made in the past, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, regarding what you were saying, Chris, about like uh, Lisa's unearned relationship with Jesse, I mm -hmm. will say from like my partner, Allie, she went to performing performing arts high school. And. She was very much of the mindset of like, oh, this guy seems like he's probably gay i want to hook up with him before he realizes he's gay <laughs> because he's not gonna treat me like a piece of shit like a straight guy would <laughs> you know what i mean so like i mean i i think i think that said i think <laughs> lisa sees a very sensitive cute guy their neighbors he drives her in his like prehistoric vehicle whatever he calls whatever he calls his car um yeah uh um so like there's there's enough there where it's like okay I, I, i'll do i'll do the work of like most of the guys are like grady and jesse is an outlier so like of course a girl would be attracted to the sensitive well-dressed guy not well, the neanderthal top guy to add to what you're saying I think in a in a 1980s uh, uh, way of looking at things, there is a way in which you're like you become friends with somebody, and because you're of the opposite sex, you automatically think that that the next obvious step of this is a relationship. Because I think I had moments like that when I was younger and not really trying to figuring out sexuality and 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 how to be friends with the opposite sex. Where I was like, well we're so friendly and friends with each other. I mean, I guess that we should be together as in dating and then realizing later in life, it's like, no, no, you can actually have a friendship with somebody of the opposite sex. It doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't have to have an actual next step. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not me. Uh, I have sex with anyone uh, who looks well, like you, me. Have, you, your oh. thing is to be my friend. Then be my friend. And then I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're my friend. Say, I don't uh, have sex with you. <laughs> what? I I was gonna <laughs> say so. Uh, so uh, Allie's in a real uh, uh, long game situation then with you, isn't she? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's great. Yep. It's great. Nay, your relationship now totally makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. Actually, uh, Allie is actually like bisexual, and I'm more gay than she is. I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah, up. She doesn't. That. She doesn't like that joke. She does. She does. She doesn't. I know. Man. Find it funny <laughs> at all. Too bad. Um, I'll quote. I'll quote. Uh, I'll quote uh, Jesse uh, after kissing uh, Lisa. Listen, I'm going to leave. I'm not into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. To That's the crazy fucking. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Jesus Christ. How are you not seeing this? How are you yeah. not seeing this?
And oh it's even like and to go back on Grady when Grady's like talking to Jesse and he's like, Yeah, you got something that wants to get in you. It's a girl down in your yeah, you know, pool house. Yeah. You're up here, why with, are you me. here with me. Why, up here trying, no, why are you up here trying to sleep with me? Right? Yeah, like, I try to sleep, sleep with, with me. me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, and I don't know I if love, that's like, the actual uh, line, but it is. Yeah. He says like something to the effect of, yeah. That's where the, uh, where it's like not subtext. It's like okay, obviously they knew, right? I I love uh, again absolutely the the, the producer uh, um, uh, directors like they will say I had no idea. The film producer mm. in the eighties, he was too busy doing coke and you know, trying. You know, to, what blows my you mind know. is that a, a, in the documentary, uh, both documentaries, Kim Myers who plays Lisa was like. I was oblivious. I had yeah. no idea there was any of this subtext, but <laughs> Grady, the guy who plays Grady, um, I, Robert, I have the quote. Russ, yeah. Okay, pull it up. Uh, say it. It's just, she go, he goes, I'm scared, Grady. Something is trying to get inside my body. He goes, yeah, she's female, and she's waiting for you in the cabana, and you want to sleep with me. There you go. And It's, it's like so cool. obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and according to, to Robert uh, Russer, who played Grady, he was like, in the audition, I knew. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. These guys are gay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- th- this, is what's, this is what this movie's going to be yeah. about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. so it's just weird. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah, this it's movie's wild in that way, yeah. I uh, Along those lines of that scene too, I love Jesse's pitch to Grady of like, I killed the gym coach. I'm worried I'll do it again. Let me spend the night in your room. <laughs> Yeah, like, what a what a great proposition! I've murdered a man. I might do it again. Can I stay here tonight? <laughs> yeah, but does Grady believe him, or is Grady no. just like okay, no, of course this guy's not? All but yeah. Up. yeah, yeah. What do you think about uh, Kruger's finger knives? Like, I, I, you talking about? Go ahead. Yeah, like the, the, uh, the, the knives out of the, the fingertips. The, yeah, yeah. That's one of the only, in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. one of the only things that makes sense in this adaptation of the sequel. Really? Hmm. Do you have questions? And why, why does uh, it make sense? And why does it yeah, make sense? I don't really. It's not. It's like, why does do it make sense? Because you say it's the only thing that makes sense in the sequel. Because. So if you're doing work for the, for the, for the film, it's like, is Freddy there? Is he not there? What is actually, it's, it's so vague as to like, what the fuck is going on that like, if I like, as far as the symbol, the symbolism of like who Freddie is, because Freddie gives his glove, he passes his glove on and then these like claws come out of his hand Mm -hmm. and then those claws come out of uh, Jesse's hand. It like, it kind of makes sense in (laughs) like the sort of weird world that doesn't follow the rules that were set up in the original. I'm, I'm forgiving of the clause. Obviously you feel different. Yeah, I do feel different. I just, <laughs> you know, it's like there, there are things that are iconic about Freddie and, and here's the thing, right? If you do what you do in slower party massacre two, which is like completely change the character with the intention of it being the, uh, uh, machination of, of a teenage girl who's about to have sex. I'm, I'm in for it. Right. But mm-hmm. you're not even like completely changing him. You're just making a version of him that just is slightly different. And the choices you're making are to 
or to take away some of the iconic uh, elements that made him wonderful, which is like he he only operates in a in a dream state. He he has a glove that he fashioned himself as a serial killer. It's like mm-hmm. these are these are things that are like so to me personally, they're so inherent in having a nightmare on Elm Street that you strip away many of the the essences of what makes a nightmare on Elm Street a classic. So that's where I was always really kind of off on this movie and i and i do think that we talk about biases and stuff like that but i think that that my bias at watching it as a young as a young lover of the franchise i still carry that with me a little bit where i'm like i don't want to say i cringe but i when i see the the knives out of the fingertips i'm like i cringe i i think though that I I think to kind of like what I was talking about earlier, though, like I see it as this film is such a departure from the lore canon of Freddy that yeah. I almost can't tie it. I can't correlate this whole. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to, let's start off with even the fact, too, that like, why would Freddy be haunting? Um, I'm trying to blank now. What's the character from the first film? Uh, Nancy. Yeah. Nancy. Nancy's house. I mean, how does that? Yeah, it doesn't make up, sense. Really? That doesn't make There's sense. A- do you have a boiler room in your basement? Obviously you do. Yeah. Right? Well, and Je- Jesse has no tie to those who did anything to him. It's no. like, it just really doesn't make, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's such the a house departure. Connection. Yeah. And yeah, it's such a departure. So much. Now, I know actually later on, was it four or five? They kind of say something about the house, like Nancy's house is, you know, like empty and all decrepit looking. It's like, oh, that's the Freddy house or whatever. Mm-hmm. They kind of do that. That but, makes sense. But yeah, or it like, kind of does. Or like at least some victims. sort of like energy is left there because she pulled him into reality in the house. You know what I mean? Like you could work with that, but like, ah, yeah. boiler room, basement, <laughs> go. It yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. It fucking. It's 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 shitty writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and with that too, then I guess like for the the clause thing, it's like it's it's almost its own freestanding thing to me. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess like it's just it it doesn't intersect what Freddie is in any of the other films. He's just kind yeah. of its own yeah. thing. It's Freddie is uh uh you could view Freddie as like a demon who's making someone come to terms with their sexuality in a way this is because this is as the writer said he saw it as a possession film not as a mm-hmm. some sort of established like a, nobody on this was like oh we got to follow the rule the rules that Wes Craven came up with you know but like I said Bob, Bob Shea I know and it should and it should someone created something that was a good idea and made it right? tight and made it very like specific yeah, it's like and like, the idea is that he is in your nightmares. It is incredible that you can go and hopefully find a way in your own nightmares to fight this guy correctly because this is where he is a master. And they completely redo it in number two, which is why I say number three is a true spiritual sequel mm-hmm. to number one. Yeah, number agreed. three picks Absolutely. up where it left off, and it it really writes the ship. And I and for I know that it made a lot of money, but I think there is a world in which people abandon the project after this movie if it weren't for the opening weekend or the opening oh. like three weeks well all of it it's it's again yeah. hugely financial mm-hmm. success and everyone a lot of the people outside mm-hmm. of mark Patton, obviously 
uh, a lot of the, the these these oblivious people and the writer they go on to have like fantastic careers to yeah. you know you know not 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 a list stuff but like they work they work they work yeah. they continue to enjoy the fruits of the labor of this you know well to give us a high um, note maybe like help the listener by letting them know you know what mark patton's what mark patton's well, legacy now is i i think we will get to that i, I kind of want to like okay. finish talking about the movie and then we can like i think move on just to, to, to some more uh more of that stuff if, if, is that okay that's fine yeah yeah um, i think that uh, i was just gonna say like i think the one part of this film that does like really work for me when it comes to the perception of like who freddie is is whenever he's slaughtering the teenagers at the pool like i know it doesn't makes sense with what freddie is but i, I love I, that i, I love wanna, the, like you're all my children now line, yep. like with the flames it, it, that's awesome Wes craven hated that hated that fucking line well um, but i if, get it but it's i yeah. think but, it's cool but if they had all <laughs> had a collective sleep if they they like all gotten stoned and high and were just like, passed out mm -hmm. and he showed up and did something like that it would be it would be great. The Coke cans like popping and everything mm -hmm. like the, the wieners frying. It's like, everything's kind <laughs> yep. of fun. You know, I, I, I wrote down in my notes, I have here, I said, the things that I like about this movie are performances, especially Mark Patton and his little buns and the fantastic, <laughs> uh, way the pool party is used as a set piece. Mm -hmm. I think the pool party is cool. I, I, you like the not, pool party. I like the pool party. I get, I like as the pool a set party. piece. As a set piece, as I will agree piece. with you. That's yeah, yeah fun, as a set piece. But it doesn't make any fucking the execution, sense. Whatsoever. Execution is no, sloppy. No, no. I don't like, but I just mean as a set piece. It's like it's like, yes, I could do more like teenagers being killed around a pool party any day. The the one time symbolism is used well, I think, in this is when mm -hmm. uh the parents go to sleep and the kids like, okay, let's change the party. And it's like yep. a radio flyer uh -huh. full of beer. It's like, ah, yes, okay, yes. Love it, I love it, the yeah. symbolism. This is intentional. Good job, guys. <laughs> you intentionally did something. <laughs> um, the guy, uh, Car Lisa's friend Carrie, the guy she's hooking up with the, at the pool, he seems like a 30-year-old creep to me. Um, he looks like he's not in high school. He looks like a guy who hangs out with high school kids. <laughs> I mean, well, there are a couple of people have in high school. People, yeah, did you guys say, have people like normally, that in high school yeah. who are like, yeah. It's, like, it's uh, not a high school party a if there's not ago. someone that's out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then also uh, the guy who plays that part also has like thirsty actor vibes. Mickey, I think you're going to get this more maybe than Chris, but like that extra who gets a line, who's like trying to milk it for everything it's worth. And like, <laughs> like I'm not going to serve the scene or the movie. I'm going to serve myself right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> Freddie... <laughs> I think oh. Freddie's real real enemy in this movie is like uh decorative plates and like displays. <laughs> because he Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in Lisa's house, when he's tormenting Lisa, yeah. he like oh, yeah. she's good. There's a shelf with all the decorative plates and he knocks that over. And then at the <laughs> pool party, he's knocking. He like he's yeah. like, you like this? No. No. <laughs> You spent all this time decorating this nice display now. Yeah. 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 Sure. He's an agent of chaos. 
Yeah. <laughs> Help yourself, fucker. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, you know, it's, like I said, I mean, seeing it also, too, from uh, full experience, I, he doesn't say bitch at all in this film. No, no, he doesn't. I was like, man, that's missing. But bitch comes in in three, and then it never leaves the series. <laughs> it's really it doubles thought... down on the bitch. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't earlier. think he says bitch in part one. I don't think he doesn't say bitch in part one. No. Yeah, I, I didn't think bitch. in one. I thought it came in earlier. I guess I was wrong. Would you, would you guys? So I think there's a bit of self righteousness in Jesse when he he like is oh, talking yeah. to his dad, which is which is obviously. I get it. But like when he's like, why didn't you tell us a, that this was a murder house? Yeah. So like, yeah, this is mostly a question for Mickey because he's a parent. But like, sure. Do you tell your spouse or your children that the Abs- house you're living in is a murder you, house? You tell your spouse and then you keep it away from your kids. Here's mm-hmm. the reason why. Right. If you're of the of the ilk that you want to get a great price on a house and, you know, you can you can automatically like change your station in life by going from like lower middle class to upper middle class by living in a certain neighborhood, by getting a deal on a murder house. You let your wife know, but you do not tell your kids they're not the weird kids. They're not the kids living with like that nightmare in their heads that maybe it's haunted. You don't want that. You want to wait until it's breached and then be like, oh yeah, yeah, but let me explain to you the market and how the market works, blah, blah, blah. You do not go in being like, we're buying a house where kids were murdered to your children. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh yeah, but you share with your spouse. Like you share with your spouse. I, you know, it's yeah. a big financial decision for yeah. two people. Not but in the eighties, you know what? It's a woman. You know, in the eighties, it's just a, it's just a woman. She's supposed to be cooking and cleaning. She's not supposed to be doing finances. Well, and you know, let's think about you know Ken Walsh. You know, times at his morgue uh, business. <laughs> He's got to be going so great. <laughs> He's got to like, buy a murder house. Okay, so if yeah. we're going with this, what I like is that <laughs> that Ken Walsh has this business where he he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna like get a quaff in my hair, take off my glasses and be like more of a cool guy who's in charge. <laughs> but at home, I put the glasses on, glasses I do on, a little comb over and yeah. I'm a little nebbish, a little bit, yeah. but yeah. like yeah. still, you know, like yeah. like his character in uh in uh uh, uh Return Live Dead, that guy's never wearing shorts. <laughs> and he's confident on a ladder. Yeah. That's true. Confident on a ladder. Yeah, fair. He's Fair. not gonna show off his little chicken legs on a ladder in shorts. Yeah. The Return of the Living say, Dead. Kid. I don't. I, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but when you look up, uh, there's like if you ever look up Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, a lot of times the thumbnail that represents this film is that shot of him on the ladder and Mrs. Walsh really? in the foreground. Really? I don't really? know why. I, I see it. It's it's not the movie poster. It's not that, but I see it. Like whenever I search it, I'm like, because I did a lot of you know like investigative you know stuff trying to figure out so did things I, to talk but about. I never, yeah. huh, I saw that. I never still saw that a lot of places. That little thumbnail. Interesting. Yeah. What places? Amazon. We'll start with Amazon. You see it on Amazon <laughs> a lot. Trust me. It's the uh, they really want you to know that this is a family drama first and foremost. <laughs> it's like, but I'm like, this is not <laughs> yeah. represent Freddy's revenge at all, and it's like it's Mrs. Nope. Walsh in the foreground and just him on the ladder in the That's background. So I was like, this weird. is so silly. So weird. very strange. The the melodrama that is happening in the Walsh. Well, follow mm-hmm. us on Instagram. I'll make sure you see that still, everybody. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Grady, mm-hmm. the love triangle that is Lisa Weber 
Ron Grady and Jesse Walsh. I will say that Ron, I'll say that Grady always seems to be very interested in Jesse's love life. Like that's something I noticed too. It's like Grady's constantly like you be banging that girl nightly. You, you hook it up with her. I'm like in a way where it's like, that's pretty normal. I think. I don't know. I think that there's, I think you could look at that subtextual as well being like, why is he so interested in your, yeah, in your, in your love life? It's like, but like, I think that's a very, very male thing. Like what's going on with that girl? Well, I also remember just being like in high school with my own male friends. If they, if they were like talking to a girl, there was, this is going to sound weird, but I would have like a tinge of jealousy. Right. Cause I'm like, this is my, yeah. Getting replaced. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that Grady and Jesse aren't at that place yet in their friendship, but there could also be a thing that maybe Grady doesn't have any friends, period. And Jesse is just somebody who he's forming a relationship with and through this, like, you know, constant punishment of the gym teacher that that's why he's asking constantly. He's like, is there a chance that my that something I'm building towards could be, you know, never accomplished because of Lisa's presence? I think the, you, there is. Like outside of the 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 gay s- subtext, um, Grady is like, I think he is he's he's so crass that like Jesse is one of the guys who is like, you know what? I get how you show affection, and like, you know, kudos to you. They they have that sort of thing happening. So I could uh, I could also see like, oh yeah, this guy gets me. This yeah. guy gets me. You know? Yeah. Um, it was all a big joke that turned into a nightmare for some people. Mm-hmm. Mark Bed. Yeah. You know, all the, all the, uh, the probe action, the probe board game, and then, you know, no chicks sign on his door. Oh, sure. During the, uh, the dancing scene, which yeah. has become an, like an iconic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, trying like they were like, oh, risky business. Tom Cruise, let's try to do that. I and love that's what, the little that's pop. What they came up with. That little like popper at the end. It's like that's nice. I love that. Do you think that if Jesse was a girl, that the character would be like an iconic feminist character? In film history, mm. if Jesse were a female, and so if, let me ask you: Is in all the stories the exact same? So Lisa is a female as well, and they're forming a relationship. I guess not. I just I was, are you flipping gender yeah. roles there? So yeah, I'm, fl- I'm flipping it. So but like, Lisa's, yeah, Lisa's she, a male. She's just a Lisa's victim. A she's not iconic. Yeah, she's, she's not just iconic. a victim. Yeah. And Lisa's because a hero. Then, yeah, Lisa would be a and man. Unless, Leslie. Unless, yeah. Jesse is a girl, and then Lisa is also a girl. You know what I mean? Then it's an interesting movie, yeah. Because that's you're a, that's, not... that's interesting. Yeah. And Freddie's yeah. a girl, and yeah. Ken Walsh is and a girl. Grady's a girl. And Grady's all, a girl. It's all women. It's all women. Outside yeah, it's all of, women. Uh, nah, nah. <laughs> outside of what? <laughs> I'm, I'm already done with this joke. Outside of, Mr., <laughs> outside of Mr. Grady. Yeah. Mr. Grady. Yeah, Mr. Grady. Gotta, yeah, 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 we don't want to yeah, get yeah. rid of Ferris Bueller's dad. <laughs> no, he's the one no. guy in the movie. Um, I mean, I think you know one thing in rewatching this, Michelangelo. Something you said about Slumber Party Massacre too, I think really rang true 
for me about how like if you were to write everything out about what the film is you know you had said that thing about uh if you wrote everything about what slumber party massacre 2 was you would be incredibly interested in the film and it sounds like it would be much better than it is that's kind of how i feel about this film you know what i mean like really we can sit here and if we were to just write out you know what's in the film the ideologies i think it works really well i think just the finished product is where it kind of falls apart yeah I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, Is this one of your favorite horror films? No. Not by a long shot. But again, I think it's kind of like with Slumber Party Massacre 2. Check out that episode. Um, I think it's an important piece of horror cinematic history. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be seen and it needs mm-hmm. the the story of it needs to be known for mm-hmm. sure. Without See, a doubt. I, I would agree with the second part of that. I feel like the story of it is more important than what the film the is. The movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, well you, I mean, like you don't want to know just the story. You gotta, you gotta have both. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. the, the movie is almost, a, 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 a um, um, the like byproduct of like the story. Right. It's like, well, the story wouldn't exist without the movie and the movie wouldn't exist without the story. So well, kind of you, you need both. I, I will say that Scream Queen. Uh, is. It makes this movie worth watching, so I agree with you on that. I think without Scream Queen. Um, so without all the context, it, it actually this film does not does not do a good job of doing what Scream Queen does for the film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you would be, if you were to watch this, you'd be like, this is fucking crazy. Wouldn't you? You'd be like, this is, this is laughably. Oh, yeah. This is laugh. Like you would laugh yeah, at I know. it. I, I did until for 20 some yeah. odd years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until, until yeah. you, until you like, oh, oh, this like <clears throat> fucking ruined somebody's life. Oh, yeah. this is like, you know what I mean? Well, right. and I, I guess I feel like, you know, that's a part of it too, right? Is like, because of where we are today in a, as a society, any sort of, you know, possible uh, progressive charm, you know, falls apart because of what's known and because of where we are today in other forms of media. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to watch it as a modern day viewer. I can know the story of it and know its importance, but I don't think you'd have to be a viewer of the film. I think you, I think it, like, you, you need to, I would disagree with you. I think if the story intrigues you enough, I think you should see the film. Well, if anything We're intrigues you enough, recommendations at this point. That's um, fair. Uh, yeah. Um, but, um. <laughs> okay, I've gone that road. Yeah. Um, uh, who is Zach? Uh, you tell me. Right? Who the hell is Zach? Zach I, called. There's a message on the chalkboard when Jesse goes into the kitchen and the lightning strikes in the kitchen. He walks past the phone and on the chalkboard by the phone, it's Zach called in big letters. Who's Zach? It's part of uh, the Saved by the Bell canon, clearly. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. Obviously. Um. Um, I think it's great. I think you're great. I think think you're you're great. great. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's great now that like Mark Patton can enjoy the film and yes. oh, not be haunted by it anymore. Um, and I love that it's like I mentioned this earlier. I, I love that it's not like best worst movie ever, right? I think it's great that people have um, taken ownership back of the film and like taking something that could have been something that you could laugh at and turned it into something that is empowering, you know? Yep. Agreed. A um, hundred uh, percent. Chaskins. I want to talk about Chaskins for a sec. The writer. Mm. He, man, he really like it. I, I, it's Chaskin's nonchalant, negligent, flippant, insensitive behavior regarding all of this that really like pisses me off. Both in, in both in both documentaries, he has the uh -huh. privilege of being a white straight man behind the scenes. His career never suffers from this, and then he gets to enjoy for years. He gets to enjoy being celebrated for the subtext. Wow blaming everybody else and really throwing Mark Patton under the bus because he was like, over. I yep. think the casting really kind of ruined my subtext for this. You know, it's all just like a joke to him. And I, you know, it's I gaslighting. It's gaslighting. Yeah. 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 I think it, well, I think it's gaslighting, but I also think he's just so, I think he's part of it's got to be protecting himself but i think there might be another part of him that's just like just not evolved enough to really understand the hurt he causes and i i talked to chris about this uh a while ago uh in regards to the documentary scream queen where where mark confronts him sure mm -hmm. yeah and from a viewer the first time i see it from a viewer perspective I don't get the satisfaction I want from his apology. What I get sure. is like Mark Patton knows like Mark Patton is evolved. Mark Patton knows like, okay, well, he's also, I think Mark this Patton is the best he can do to grind. He has an ax to grind. He has an ax to grind, but I think his sort of like what I interpreted as like, kind of like I'm backed into a corner. So I'm going to apologize about these things and not really, not really take ownership of any responsibility. I think that's just, you know, um, the director in the documentary is like, listen, we were talking the other night and I think you're holding a lot of anger mm -hmm. still. And I don't mm -hmm. think you should be anymore. And he's right in that you need to let things go. But, mm -hmm. It's like he never got to have the conversation. If you never get to have the conversation with the other person, right? It's hard to get over your trauma. Well, sure. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. something like this. The guy wanted to be this like movie star and he was on his way. And then it just totally gets derailed through his personal life and the experience on, on this. It was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. But he blames um, a lot of things on on that writer that are not. He focuses it. He he is uh -huh. mature enough mm -hmm. and responsible enough to know to know that I focused all of this into one person. But but, but that's I think the catharsis, rightly that's so. The, but that's the catharsis of that film. So Scream yeah. Queen, the catharsis of that film is that him realizing that yes, that 
this guy is an a-hole, but you're responsible for your actions mm-hmm. and the yeah. way you react to a-holes, right? Yeah. Do I think he that chose the right acting? He could have continued he, acting. He chose to blame all of his downfalls after that over this one film and the writer. I'm not saying that the writer is right. That the the writer is wrong. He is he is not good. But we all part in our own stories, and um, and the decisions we make, even if they're based on other people, they're our decisions, and we have to take some ownership of that, and not yeah. always be the victim. And I think he does and, that. And he does a hundred percent. It's what I think is the best part of that documentary is the catharsis at the end where it's like, where it's like, yes, you were wronged. People are wronged. This is a part of life. It's your, it's your reaction to being wronged that, that we also have to examine and explore. Uh, it's what makes the documentary, I think, poignant. It makes it much more, <laughs> much more interesting than Freddy's revenge, you know? Uh, oh, so by far, yeah, yeah. by yeah. far. The story behind is much more interesting than the film. Uh, something that rings true is so, Mickey. As a performer, you'll you'll know this a little more than Chris. But um, there's two main theories when it comes to like performing. Right. One is you have to trust your director. Right. Yep, Mickey. You have oh, to yeah, trust yeah. that they will guide you. They will guide your performance. They will serve the script and they will bring the best possible mm-hmm. version of your performance forward. Mm-hmm. Right. There's that theory. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that's how you really, that's, that's what it, ideally, that's what it always is. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that you choose to work with a director and you trust them. You trust them. There's the yeah. Marlon Brando theory. No. Okay. Which is, you do whatever's best for you all the time and you never give them anything you don't want to give them because if you do, that's going to be what they use. Which harkens back to the advice Cher gives Mark Patton when he was first starting out and they did that uh, Broadway show together, which Mm -hmm. is always do what's best for you because that's what everyone else is going to do. And I think that's such a poignant thing in the documentary i think that's why it starts there and it kind of ends there because it's like that's what all these other people did they did what was best for them and he thought someone's going to be watching out for me yeah and what you learn in life is like you really got to watch out for yourself it's very rare that you get somebody to watch out for you Chris is thinking. That's bleak. Well, I, I mean, I, I was just going to say that's bleak. Well, no, it is a I little mean, bleak, but like it's, it's true. Well, not necessarily. It's a little bit of both, right? Like, I mean, like the yeah. problem is this, right? Both of those scenarios washes out everyone's well, okay. humanity. Uh, 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 hold, 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 on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I do have to put this in the context is she is referring to Hollywood. To Hollywood. Right. But. Okay, Not all life, those people that are agents, but all of those people are still human beings. The natural order of things is that, yes, you will intrinsically do something that is in your own best interest because that is what's wired into all of us. However, at the same time, too, just because that's true doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to throw everyone under the bus or ruin their career or do some sort of just uh, archaically, you know, malicious thing 
it's a hybrid between both things, right? Like you always have to be looking out for yourself and protecting yourself and being your own advocate. At the same time, though, you also do have to have a trust and like, uh, com- you know, working relationship with people to create success. And that's true of everything in this world. I, I hear you. But regarding Hollywood, especially at that time, I think these these words are bring pretty much true. You're dealing with a lot of egos and stuff and you're dealing with uh, it's it's oh man, it's just a different thing, man. It's a different thing. I, I totally agree with what though. you said. Read about it, any it, sort of business. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, re- read about how Apple was formed and how many people were thrown under the bus, but then how many people also did advocate for themselves and become successful. It's true yeah. of everything. It's the human order. <laughs> Chris, advocating for the human order. It's a new uh, movement we started here at the return slot for <laughs> human order. Yeah. Embrace your you humanity mean, without being a nihilist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Um, is there anything else we want to touch on before we get to recommendations? I've got nothing. I am. All my notes have gone. I've gone through every note. Uh, nothing really comes to mind. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting the the jack shoulder the director you mm-hmm. know like just like his career and what all he's made i think is really interesting mm-hmm. like i don't know especially if you read some of the stuff about him he just sounds like he's so he wants to be much more much more of a west craven you know what i mean like west craven yeah. is someone who's made you know you can look upon a, a lot of his stuff as being uh you know just horror films or that type of thing but he lends it such a level of uh intelligence and such a level of creativity yes, yes. but then i think for him if he never really kind of uh quite got that chance and it gets interesting yeah you you get you there are people like i think uh john carpenter falls into that category Wes craven it's like you kind of get like categorized as this thing and it's like Sometimes with people like with, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember his name now, but um, Friday the 13th, it's like, oh, yeah, you were intentionally ripping off Halloween. Sure. Like you were intentionally yeah. ripping off like sure. an intelligent, sensitive artist's like concept in order to try mm-hmm. to make it in this business. And like, yeah, you're who you are, and that's great. And I think Bob Shea fits into that. But it's like, yeah, you have people like, John Carpenter was Craven and it's like oh no you're 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 so much more than just genre filmmaker mm-hmm. and it's a shame we didn't really get to see more of what you had to offer yeah and it's th- that said oh boy what an amazing life and what a great sure th- the great opportunities that you had because so many people don't <clears throat> So many people don't get to make movies. So many people don't get to do things. You know what I mean? And it's like mm-hmm. you, you, you got a little slice of it. You know what I mean? But like your potential seemed much more than that. I don't know. Yeah. Have you ever seen Music of the Heart? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is a good point, Mickey. No. Yeah. 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 Well, Music of the Heart is a Wes Craven film that's not a horror film in any way. It's a like a biographical musical drama. 
um, say, with familiar. Meryl with Meryl Streep. Um, uh, it's like Meryl Streep, Aiden Quinn, Angela Bassett. Uh, I think what's the pop artist in like? Uh, uh, Who is Gloria that? Estefan? Gloria Estefan. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like uh, I mean, it's Wes Craven not doing uh, horror. It's 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 interesting. You should all watch it. You know. Uh, I'd also argue that that even though it can be considered, I guess, kind of a horror, that uh, Red Eye is more of like a, a cool thriller. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, he's I, I just think good. Wes Craven is is just he's a master. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Shoulder, as far as going back on that guy, yeah, he just he's not great, man. No, 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 no. you know, I, he's not. I, no I, I shade my- outside of his complete obliviousness to like. <laughs> <laughs> anything outside of his own point yeah. of view i think that, yeah. that time. my point was just that like he's someone who i think he always seems uh, my read on him is that he seems like he thought that he was better than most of the yeah. work that he was yes. creating yes and so it's interesting to see someone like that that i think puts himself above the work as opposed to someone like wes craven who I think mm-hmm. very much does not do that and right. and has, I mean, like, you know, uh, a storied uh, career and a storied uh, life that's gone well beyond his years mm-hmm. and will continue. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, guys. Here it is. We recommend this movie to. Oh, boy. Okay. Chris, um, I would recommend. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that if you watch the documentary Scream Queen, as mentioned several times, and you are interested in taking your knowledge to the next level of actually watching this film, I think it makes sense to do it. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you have to, but if you kind of want to flesh that out more, that would be the person that I would recommend this film. Uh, someone that, uh, has been in a coma for 40 years, <laughs> 30, sorry, 35. And, uh, and maybe they're like, oh man, uh, you got any films that'll help me, uh, edge back into society? Like, there you go. Freddie, Freddie too. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Electric That's Boogaloo. what this is called, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, I mean, really, I, I wouldn't inherently recommend it to many people because i mm-hmm. just don't think it's that because you're anti gay well that this is I where i knew guess. exactly you would go i knew you would go here <laughs> yeah this is why i had to have a prepared <laughs> statement he has to uh, has to try yeah. to, to sweep so i guess uh i don't know i mean michelangelo i kind of think you take an interesting standing then i mean like do you feel then that everything has to be seen to put it into contextualization of the times even if it's by by a modern viewer's standing is archaic. You know what I yeah, mean? Because like it seems like too. that's kind of where I feel like you're, you're saying am. that. But I mean that's so. Mm-hmm. It's like we've had we've had have to see thirty years then. of movies since then that have done a better job of telling this yeah. particular story. Oh, I mean mm-hmm. the 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 breadth of like you know LGBTQ horror that you can see, I think is mm-hmm. massive right now. Yeah. So why why do you need to go back and see this necessarily? Because it's part of history. It's part of history. It's part of cinematic history. I think it's an important part of the story that has been told. I think it's uh, you got to know your history. And I think this is a crucial 
part of not only cinematic history, but horror film history. Um, I think the story around it, we've talked about this already. It's the story around it that is the star. Yeah. But Dream it's better caught in that's a different movie. That's a yeah, different movie. movie. You don't yeah, have but to you, see but, this. but you gotta see the movie. You gotta see the movie. You can't just you can't just read about it. You have to experience it. Um and but why? I love I love that the people who were you know at the like the production designers and the actors and all, all of the other people who maybe didn't have anything to do with the shitty decisions that were made get to be celebrated it's it's on it's on film it exists forever and you can watch it and own it as this whole new thing and enjoy it and i think that's important um i also think uh, um uh, are you from kansas city missouri are you one of five kids like Mark Patton is because I'm from Kansas City. I'm actually technically not from Kansas City, Missouri. I was raised <laughs> oh, in Kansas City, Missouri. But oh, I'm one of five. Your point's already ruined. <laughs> I'm one of five. Um, do you guys remember? Hold on. Because this goes into the recommendations. Do you guys remember the um, gay interests section of the video store? I don't. This actually. is so. It was so no. long ago. So I, there were certain video stores with titled "Gay Interest." It was he, so like I worked at see, Movie Time in East Chicago. East Texas ain't doing that. East Texas ain't yeah. doing that. I, I do so, remember like gay and lesbian section, but I don't remember yeah, like it gay, called gay, gay and lesbian, interest. gay and lesbian, okay. gay and lesbian. Yeah. So pre, it was like pre LGBTQ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're pre that. It's sometimes it was yeah. just gay. Sometimes it was gay and lesbian. But there was at the video store. Mm-hmm. Not your blockbuster video store, no. not your Hollywood video, the independents. Um, certain video stores had gay and lesbian interests. And they they were just like, I don't think this film would have been in there. No. But like, like that was the idea. It was like, this is specifically films that would interest these people. Kind of like foreign films. Yeah. Gay and lesbian. Uh, action. Horror. You know what I mean? Nuts, right? I was gonna say it was always like art house films and foreign films yeah. that were in there. It was never anything uh, American made or anything yeah. that would touch on it. Yeah. Well, no, like it, it, in my time the period, there was I like grew up. Yeah. there was like uh, uh, the Heartbreakers Club, which is like a movie that's that stars all straight white guys: uh, Dean Cain, uh, Zach Braff, um, uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant. It's really? like it's about it's one. about these it's about these gay men who all work at this restaurant and Frazier's dad the guy I forget his name oh, the actor John plays Mulaney. Yeah. John Mulaney yeah mm-hmm. no Frazier's dad or, is John Mulaney no that's not John Mulaney. Scrubs John oh, oh, Mahoney 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 thank you Mahoney, Mahoney. yeah so close. Um, it's like John Mahoney is this gay man he owns this restaurant and all these all the waiters are gay men and it's about their lives that was one of the movies that was in like the gay section of the mm. video store I worked at. It's actually a, a really good movie. Um, and you don't have to be interested in gay things in order to enjoy that movie. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. my point. I always thought it was a silly section to have, but like, I guess a yeah. necessary section at one point in time, because whatever, you know, anyways, sure. I 
love this movie despite <laughs> the fact like it's like obvious failings. I love what it stands for. I love that it's reclaimed. And uh, uh, I think it's necessary viewing um, with uh, 2019 Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And if you've seen 2010's Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street legacy, this like Scream Queen is like a, a response to that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was like Mark Patton all of a sudden came out of nowhere and like these things came up and like this, these are the answers to those questions that get brought up in that documentary. So this this is for me essential viewing. You need to see this. I don't I would not I will I will never argue that this is a great film. But I think it's a necessary film. So if I may just to help me understand you need to see it based on the reactionary to Scream Queen, Queen and contextualizing yeah. it within the time frame. And that's the reason why, but not because of the film. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes and no. As a freestanding <laughs> film that just is what it is. Yeah. I think no. as a freestanding film, but you watch it and you're like, what the fuck? Let me look into this. And then you'll find out that other stuff. So either way it works. Uh. Okay. Hmm. Okay. What happens when uh, a bunch of insensitive, oblivious people make a film about a subject which they have no connection to? I think that's important to know that that happened. And I think it's Bull. important to see what the results were. And I think it's important to then follow up in, in any way you can. Okay. So, like, like if I may, can I just play a little like devil's Jesus advocate if, if you want to get out of this that's fine <laughs> i want to get out of this yes i want to get okay. to mickey's recommendations right, and stop talking about this because okay. i feel like sometimes you do that with know. me you like the, you like the you like to poke me you like to poke i'm me. not trying to poke you i'm trying to understand you man well that's never gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> mickey who do you recommend this to and then we'll have a so conversation after this <laughs> Oh, what you want, oh, wow. What do you want wow. from me, man? Wow. What do you wow. want? <laughs> if, if, if you're coming into the store, Mickey is so uncomfortable right now. I'm if you're so coming sorry. into if you're coming into the store and you're a fan of a nightmare on Elm Street, I'm not recommending this to you. If you're coming into the store. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough, Mickey. Yeah. yeah. If you're That's coming into the store and you're struggling with your sexuality and you're looking for a film to maybe help you out. I'm going to probably not recommend this to you until oh. you'd rather go Stranger, <laughs> Stranger by the Lake, Raw, Jennifer's Body, many uh -huh. others. But if you're coming into this store and you are looking for a good documentary, I'm going to tell you Scream Queen is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I will agree with Michelangelo that Scream Queen is only made fantastic by going back after you've seen the documentary and watching the film in which it references. I do believe there is an element of if you like the documentary about something, you have to see the thing that it was based on. So for that reason, I am not recommending this movie to anybody, but I'm recommending Scream Queen to a lot of people. 
And then the subsequent thing that should happen after watching Scream Queen is go and watch Freddy's 2. I think that's the best way of watching uh, Freddy's Revenge. I think it's the best way of watching A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 because I never had the opportunity to watch the the context, the actual documentary before watching the film. So therefore, the film has always had a bias for me of being a bad Nightmare on Elm Street. But after watching the documentary, it makes that film better for me. You know, it moved up to place like it's it's now number five of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Streets. It was maybe number nine. Guys, it made like four movements because of that documentary. So I definitely highly recommend the, doc- the documentary. And then, of course, I think you, you should watch the movie following the documentary. I, I, I will say like how bizarre, like just for the bizarre experience of watching this without any context whatsoever, I think is worth it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What the fuck? Because yeah. again, you want to watch a train wreck kind of thing. Yes. Okay. If yeah. you want to watch a yeah, train fair. wreck that it's like, how, what, huh? And then you go into it and you're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh. He wants you. You gotta. You gotta rubber. He wants you to rubberneck this thing. All right. You're. You gotta. You're gonna. You're gonna watch this thing. And go. What the fuck? And you're gonna go home and do all the research and be like, Ah, it all makes sense now. There was. Are guy. you a? Are you a rubbernecker? You like to drive yeah. down the highway looking at the accidents? I got the film for you, friend. <laughs> you, you, oh, you're big into rubbernecking. You're a rubbernecker. This is great. Hey, all hey, right. Hey. So. Chris is, uh, needless to say, Chris is never going to be on the podcast again. <laughs> I'm banned after Too many every episode. Too many um, questions. Why would I'm you so question sorry him? That in a forum of, hey, have an interesting conversation so people can listen to it, that questions are not allowed. He's like, so no, this sorry. is not from you. This, from show, me, this yes. show is about investigating ourselves, but I'm not allowing You're, anybody yeah. to ask any questions <laughs> yes. of me. Yes. Yes. Chris. <laughs> You're a guest, and you <laughs> overstayed your <laughs> I am, of course, calling out my own ridiculousness. Um, uh, and obviously, um, uh, uh, to the listener who might not know, this is this is just how Chris and I get along. <laughs> We're all by friends making Mickey, by making Mickey very uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's take off uh, our pants and talk about I, this for I, a few I, hours. I actually, I actually felt like I was like I was like the kid of like two parents divorcing. I was like, how do I say everything that makes both of them happy? <laughs> well, I have the perfect thing for you, Mickey. Uh, Chris made some sourdough starter banana bread with chocolates, mm, Brazil nuts, and walnuts. That sounds and we'll amazing. All eat that, and it won't lead to an eating disorder or. A, a weird relationship with food. Now that we felt uncomfortable, we'll eat our feelings away. <laughs> the healthy American way to do it. Um, thank you to the listener. Thank, thank you, you for joining us this evening. Um, follow us where? At the return slot underscore of horror pod on Instagram, as well as you can find us on Letterboxd at the return slot of horror pod. Um, as well as you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, share, like, love, pass us on. If it's your grandmother's birthday, give her a little present of the return slot. 
I'm just saying, just get us out there, push us. We're, I'm needy, and I need to we be can heard. Use it. We really, yeah, <laughs> we really need this. The video store isn't doing so good, and uh, but good news, we will be working. Uh, we will, uh, we should be having a YouTube channel up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be working with uh, uh, Red Tower. Uh, we'll be doing some stuff. We'll probably have a thing at the end of this episode that describes all the cool animation things we have going on, and uh, we love you. We miss you. Come back. Rent the movies. Own your media. We love you. Thank you, Chris, for joining us in the basement. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Shut up. Don't Always. say anything. Don't okay. say. Don't. Shh. Yes, sir. Be quiet. Yes, sir. Be quiet. Sorry, yeah. sir. Um. When's Molly coming back? I don't know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> at this point, she's listened to the last couple episodes. She's like, I, I don't agree with anything you guys are saying. You guys are so. <laughs> she's like, I don't even want to be in the room with you. You disgust me. You disgust me. No, I'm kidding. No, Molly. Molly's ready. She's primed. She's ready to come back. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mickey. I love you guys. Thank Mickey. you. Love y'all. Love you. Bye.